0: you're listening to an otb am podcast you can watch the show or listen live every weekday morning at 7 45 a.m subscribe to the otb am podcast stream for more stuff just like this and a very good morning to you welcome along to uh, thursday morning's otb am it's valentine's day what a happy valentine's day it is to everybody right on right, yeah, to, right everybody. to everybody yeah to everybody let's let's go with that for the time being uh, we've got a great show lined up for you this morning. Kieran Donnelly's going to join us around about a quarter past eight. We're going to talk through uh, some of the big stories this week in uh, all sports. We're also going to talk about uh, last night's Champions League action a little bit later on in the show. And uh, before all that, I
1: suppose we've got to address the elephant in the room. But yeah, I guess so. Uh, like, do we want to hear a heartbreaking story this morning? I, I think we probably do. So it is, as you say, a very happy Valentine's Day to all of you, except to you, Declan Rice. And I think we should hit some sad music and talk you through what has been one of the greatest heartbreak stories you've ever had in Irish sport. Uh, so let's bring you back down to earth and remind us of happier times. Let's go back to May 2017 and uh, you'll remember this particular story. Irish Underage International could be set for Premier League debut. Slaven Bilic. Slaven Bilic. Remember him. Introducing us to the potential love of our lives. Irish Underage International Declan Rice could be set for a Premier League debut debut this weekend all the way back in May 2017. Could it be the start of something special? Could it be just a flash in the pan? Well, only time would tell and a couple of months later it certainly seemed that something special was going on here. As you can see, Declan Rice's obscene skills make the grade on Soccer AM. Not only did we have a Premier League starter, we had somebody who was getting picked up on a viral level. But 12 months ago, Garrett Southgate swiped right on his profile. Some emergency might be required, we read in the Irish Independent, after Southgate admitted that England had been watching the player. He is somebody whom we know with our technical department, said Gareth Southgate uh, at the time. But Southgate at the time, of course, is the guy we're told not to worry about. And uh, Declan Rice himself comes out to say, There's no decision to be made. I'm here with Ireland and I've been called up by Martin. If I didn't want to play for Ireland, I wouldn't. I'm really looking forward to this week, and I'm looking forward to getting to know the boys better. I haven't had a call from anyone at the FA, not at all. England have never wanted me at underage level. It has always been Ireland's. So that's from March last year. Uh, And we've got a a history, I guess, of being burned by people who want to see other people, but not this time, because things were only about to get better and better and better and better. You'll remember this, this uh, famous quote when he's asked about David Gold saying that he should play for England. I just have to stay focused and play football with a smile on my face. I don't read too much into the things and look at social media. It's all a load of crap, to be honest. Everything was rosy in the garden. We were looking forward to making happy memories. Maybe one day, us and Declan Rice could be each other's other halves on Bebo or something like that. It was going to be a very happy relationship. But then... Declan Rice, not included in Ireland squad, uh-huh. as O'Neill confirms England discussions, August 2018. We start to get jealous. We wonder, has he gone off put somebody behind our backs, and then we get angry.
2: This has caused waves in various places. Kevin Coban not happy, but don't take my word for it. Well, the news hasn't been received too well by Kevin Cobain, who received 110 caps for the Republic. He posted this on Twitter in response to the news, I'd rather be ranked 150th in the world and never qualify again uh, than have someone who has played but needs to think whether they should play for us again. Well done, Martin O'Neill, for transparency. Oh, uh, to have a tweet read out by Jim White. That I didn't cool.
3: know that. Oh, no, listen. You, you, you've sucked me in there, lads. I didn't Big know that. Jim was. Big
2: Jim didn't, we? F- Yeah. We've had this Big from West. Kevin Kilban. Yeah, well. Capped 302 times <laughs> for the Republic of Ireland. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> ah, lads, we shouldn't be laughing about this, honestly. Ah, this. <sighs> ah, I'm, not, I'm not happy with this. Gen- generally not happy with this. This, this. this is poor. This is very poor. I know it's you, lads, don't agree with me on 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 my feelings to to what it means to play and things like this as well and i know that i know that totally but this is um this is not on i I generally think this is on three caps all the messages kissing the badge and this was mentioned last week and i immediately thought to the under the 21 game when he played he made made his debut in turkey then he went back to play for um uh for the 19s was it night no it was the 21s it was the 21s yeah um it was king of 21 side wasn't it so he went back to playing the 21s and then kissing the badge and all that the messages and the the signals all indicated towards him being fully with us he's turned he's had his head turned mm-hmm. why on earth play for us in the first place to then go consider going to play for a different country yeah look. that's what i genuinely feel with it and uh and personally if, if he's called back into the squad or if he, if he were then to change his mind and think, I'm going to go, what does that say to the rest of the lads? What does that say to young kids growing up that you can actually, you know, you're, you're aspiring to be a, a Declan Rice, you're aspiring to be, you know, if you're English-born, you're aspiring to be Declan Rice, that uh, you've got pride in playing for Ireland. Then all of a sudden, nah, I could actually go and play for someone else as well. Or a young boy's over here in Ireland that's growing up and they're listening tonight or they're, they're seeing what Declan Rice is, is, is doing What's that saying to them? They're coming through a system where someone's taken three caps off
1: an Irishman. So it was anger at the time, but then what happens after anger? Well, it turns to desperation. Happy birthday at Ireland International, Declan Rice tweeted at the FAI on the 14th of January this year. And it was flailing attempt after flailing attempt because everything we tried to put into this relationship was all in vain because of this statement yesterday and uh, this announcement that Declan Rice was to play international football for England. And if you take a look at his own statement... Uh, Like so many people around the world, I consider myself to be of mixed nationality. I'm a proud Englishman. That's right, let's zoom in on that one. I'm a proud Englishman. Not even the Lion King could make you weep for a a story like this. A story of true heartbreak. So, indeed, a very happy Valentine's Day to you today, unless you're Declan Rice. Um, Has your soul been ripped from your body? No, because you knew straight away, eight months
0: ago, whenever last August, when that Martin O'Neill press conference, as you will remember... I said, on that day, this is it, it's finished, it's done. Because you can't... Like, why would he bother stringing us along? It was just exactly how teenage boys break up. It's like, oh, yeah. He ghosted us. Oh, oh, I just need some time to think. It's not you. It's not you. It's definitely not you. It's me. I'm just going to, like, take nine months here now and bore you into submission to the point where you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) I was saying, the memes around this have been pretty shit. Like, nobody's bothered... Nobody's that bothered anymore. It's true. We have Everybody's had- finished and tired of this. It's like, okay, in fairness, it's been expertly handled. Break the news to us gently, slowly, slowly poisoning us, draining the will to live. Our brain is leaching out of our ear. Well,
1: it's like, okay, finished. All right, go on, go on, go on. We're done with you. That's true. We have had, like, nine months of blue ticks seen... And no response. It, it, was, it was coming. We, I think we've all braced ourselves for this, and it, it was no surprise yesterday. I was naive. I yes. definitely set yes. myself up for this fall. you set myself up to be heartbroken here. You, you, you were Declan Rice in the past, and you thought, oh, I've changed my mind. I've definitely changed my mind about that.
0: You know, at the end of the night when you, you're like, oh, man, why didn't I just go with the one who brought me? <laughs>
1: I, I was uh, after the, the the birthday tweet, and uh, I, I read too much into what he liked on Twitter and, and liked on Instagram. I'm sure there was other people as well who who were kind of uh, are romantics like me and thought that Declan Rice was finally going to commit. But you know, sometimes that just sets yourself up for a fall. Um, I'm reminded of um, something that uh, George Hook once said about
0: the progressive Democrats and the uh, Fall coalition. This is the first recorded instance in the history of the rat swimming towards the sinking ship. <laughs> You're like, here, listen. If you want to be part of Brexit England, you go ahead, Declan. You you align yourself with the shit show that is uh, England right now, and don't come crying to us when people are eating out of bins in six months' time.
1: <laughs> like, do you wish him well?
0: Absolutely, I don't care about it.
1: Like, well, you see, that's I, thing, You don't care about it, but do you wish him well? Like, there's a lot of people who are saying, do oh, I, "I want g- him to fail." I don't want him to fail. I absolutely don't want him to but, fail.
4: I think that like, like, like
1: if he, if he's, uh, there's apathy now. Like, people who are saying, like, they really hope to see him do well with England. Come on, you, you don't really care. It'll be one of us
0: doing it. Is that what you think? Like, if you're, if you're of a mind to that, it's like, oh, look, there's one of our lads. Irish blood, English heart. What, well, is,
1: the, what is the. It is Irish blood, English heart, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, like, that, that is. It's very wishful thinking. That, that also plays into the idea that the, the statement that was released yesterday kind of came pouring from the heart of Declan Rice. There was a carefully crafted statement, it was a brilliant statement. Whoever uh, wrote that for him, whoever moulded that whole thing together, uh, deserves whatever money they're on because he managed to keep a lot of people happy within that statement and certainly tugging a few more of the Irish heartstrings while appreciating everything we've done and appreciating his Irish heritage, kind of gently letting us down at the same time.
0: Yeah, I'm reading the lyrics to... Um Irish Blood, English Heart by Marcy. It's the first time I've ever actually read them. I'm dreaming of a time when the English are sick to death of Labour and Tories and spit upon the name Oliver Cromwell and denounce this royal line that still salute him and will salute him forever. And then, you know, he's also talking about, like, uh, I've been been dreaming of a time when to be English is not to be baneful, to be standing by the flag not feeling shameful, racist or partial. Did he, did he, did his views change a little bit? (laughs) Did he, you know, did he really forget that he wrote that song? Or
1: did he actually mean it in the first place? He's probably forgotten a lot of things. That's what he's uh, standing by now. Um, It sounds like the sermon at a Declan Rice Irish career funeral. Yeah, yeah. Irish blood, English heart. I mean, look, in fairness,
0: if his parents were Irish, born, it would be different, right? That would be much harder to take. Like, um, I, I see that... This means so much to Kev and to Gary Breen, and you understand that, like, that's a different environment. You know, like, there's another generation passed from the uh, the upbringing that they had, and that's why it means so much to them. Whereas, like, we're kind of easy-ozy. I, I think most people here are a little bit easy-ozy about it. Like, you know, you come, you play, you don't play. There's loads of other people coming. Like, we're benefiting on the other side of um, the mass migration and globalisation of, of the planet. Like, Ireland definitely has a much broader gene pool, better athletes, and a better football team as a result of
1: this. Some, some of these, along the way, you're going to lose. But it's the way we lost it. Yeah, we, it's we the lost the fact it. that we, we thought we had it won. We thought it was game over. Well, we didn't have a one because Martin O'Neill didn't give him a cap. Well. And if Martin O'Neill had given him a cap, it wouldn't have been
0: a decision. England wouldn't have come fishing. There would have been no phone calls. He wouldn't have had his head turned. And, like, you know, you can't say, oh, it would have been terrible because we'd. Um, we had him trapped. But we, w- we didn't have him trapped. We were just like, well, you're playing with the Ireland system, put him in the team. Well, the thing is. And he was good enough to play in the team. That's the thing.
1: Who was getting in ahead of him? Not going to name any names here, but they all know who they are. <laughs> it's their fault. It's not blaming Martin O'Neill. It's the players' fault. Uh, like I, I don't know, it, it was it was obviously that Moldova game that was the opportunity to play Declan Rice. There was also a moment in this whole saga was where he on the bench for one of those games was he like they, d- so. they're
0: literally just not gonna.
1: They couldn't get the machine to work in time. Like oh, oh bang, is that it? What happens? <laughs> Potentially, or maybe, maybe like uh, Cyrus Christie got injured and had to bring on a right-back or something. I don't, want, I don't actually ever want to revisit that Moldova game because it's just going to make for more painful memories. But he also changed agent in the middle of this whole saga as well, let's not forget. That's, uh, whatever I think it was before or after the Moldova game, sometime around then, after the opportunity had gone or close to the opportunity. And then the realisation that he could play for England was touted. Yeah. I'm not saying that's anything to do with the agent but the timing is... Of course uh, it curious. is. Of course it
0: is. The age is not doing its job if he doesn't say you're going to get richer playing for England than you are going to play for Ireland. You'll get like a 10 million boot deal as opposed to a 500 grand boot deal. What are you, like, you going to do?
1: Like, uh, on a, on a sing- uh, taking the whole decision into isolation, forgetting all the past and you know, kissing the badge and all that... Absolutely no blame for me, for, for Declan Rice, for choosing England. Like I take him at his word that he feels he doesn't really feel any way English or Irish, or maybe he feels a little bit more English than Irish. Whatever way, it, there's no sort of emotion pulling him either way. If you're thinking with your head in that decision, and he can't play for England, you're going to pick England. We're going
0: to cycle through some of the um, uh, great content that we've been creating around this. Here's Gary Breen, who was bitterly opposed to Rice's second-rate treatment of the Irish jersey, speaking with Joe yesterday. Have a look.
5: I have issues really with not just the decision, but his statement, the very fact that he says things like, it was not a decision that I expected I would have to make. Well, what do you mean? Did you not think that you may well go and come into the radar of the English squad and as a result, if you didn't believe that, well, I'll take Ireland as, a, as the next best option. I don't understand the statement. I know a lot of people have grabbed on to now that as a proud Englishman, well, when when's this suddenly come about in the last couple of months? You didn't seem to be a proud Englishman when you were singing a national anthem, so... You I you not have be a proud Englishman... It, listen, can you, ultimately...
2: Can you not be a proud Englishman and a proud Irishman?
5: Well, I'm sure you can in terms of in his upbringing. He said that. But I think you have to make a decision based on who you believe. Now, he said he's, he's pulled on that island shirt, and ultimately, he's done nothing wrong in terms of the rules, but this is essentially what is the problem. And that rule has to change. Yeah. It shouldn't be a career move in national football. I've said this so many times that it should be our best against your best. And we're, and he's not alone. You know, like the England have had the scenario with Wilfred Saha, who come up through their ranks and then declared for the Ivory Coast. So it will happen again with us. It will happen for other teams. But I just want to show, I want to get away from that. I want that rule to be changed, that yeah. you declare who you play for at 18 and it can't be, it can't be changed.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. And the line that jumped out at you did jump out at me as well. He never thought it was a decision he'd have to make. It does really suggest that his career exploded in a way he wasn't fully expecting and the attention of England came when he wasn't fully expecting it.
0: Yeah, and also the fact that he could have played for Ireland and been captain, then would have been in the Irish system and it wouldn't have been an issue. So, like, Martin O'Neill does definitely have to bear a little bit of the responsibility for this. If they just capped him, it wouldn't have been an issue. Um, uh, okay, so the second part of this, obviously, there is another view. Kenny Cunningham um, was very reluctant to condemn Rice for his uh, his decision, so it was reasonable. Have a look.
6: I, was, I had the opportunity to work with Declan on, on the Under 19s, only for a short period of time, so I saw firsthand in terms of how he interacted with the players in the Under 19. Uh, set-up, uh, in terms of how he felt being part of the international setup at underage level, what the jersey kind of meant to him, and it came across as 100% genuine uh, to me. Absolutely loved the environment, uh, loved his teammates, was very proud. Uh, playing uh, for Ireland and proud of his Ireland heritage, although English-born, uh, obviously had uh, a roots in Ireland, was very proud of him. When the opportunity he presented himself to play at underage level, he took it. Obviously, the circumstances had changed. Defend himself with a big decision to make uh, some time ago to take the next step forward on and the international stage, senior international, or to take a step back and weigh up his options. And uh, that's what he uh, decided to do. It's, it's not an easy one to uh, speak about. I've had to, I've given this one really kind of dwelt over this over the past kind of years. Not just, not just Declan, like very easy for me to come on really radio and kind of, Trash uh, Declan to a large extent is that we don't we know we don't need here. Who the hell is he? Think he is? Well, I can't put myself in Declan Rice's uh, shoes. I genuinely think uh, Declan's in- English-born. I'm not particularly sure. there was a particularly strong. Um, uh, say Orish element was upbringing in terms of the Orish community where, where he uh, uh, grew up. I think the association with was his grandparents, uh, I think, but he would have yeah. he grown up uh, uh, English friends. Uh, and probably consider himself English and at the same time very proud of his Irish heritage and I think he can have both but I don't think it has to be one uh, or the other, Joe.
0: It's um, uh, the voice of reason there, Kenny Cunningham. Last night on Virgin Media Sport, obviously they were talking about this. Here's Kev uh, talking about his dismay with Declan Rice's polish statement and the mockery it made of Ireland's recruitment system.
7: It's
3: something that I've said probably all the way along. I can't understand his decision to play for us in the first place. The, the line that jumps out at me immediately on it, I'm a proud Englishman. If you're a proud Englishman, you don't come and play for us in my mind. You, you do not actually make yourself available. And it's been dragged on now for, what, five, six months or whatever, however long it's been since he decided against making, uh, taking the call up for the Nations League. It was done then. It, it, it should have been... It was clear cut in my mind. I personally wouldn't have picked him again after he made that decision to turn the call up down because he'd had his head turned. It was done.
4: He, he clearly, if you were to believe these words, though, felt conflicted by it. He said he was a, he, he yeah. was a proud Englishman, but he also, obviously, if you believe a statement, mm. felt he was a proud Irishman well, as well. He, and there, therein lay the problem. Well,
3: I'm sure that the statement's been been made for him, hasn't it? And he's had to proofread it before the statement's gone out. I'm sure that that is the case. How this is this is how this would normally work. I would have taken that line out if I was him. With within it, if. <laughs> If he doesn't want to antagonise people any further just by just by that line alone, but yes, good luck to him. Fair enough. Good luck to him. I've got no issues with that at all. But the suggestion that that Mick McCarthy should go and chase him, that Martin O'Neill should go and chase him, I, I don't buy that for one minute. You know, we've we might need to look at this rule again now. I think FIFA seriously have to look at this rule that you can play for one nation and then declare for another nation. I I don't believe that that any player should be able to do that. And. This just makes a mockery of it. And I think, I think it makes a mockery of our system as well. That we are a- actively going over to England, we're targeting players at, at junior football, knowing full well that they can make this decision if they go and progress to the system. It was different 10 or 15 years ago. We know that. This, this it, it, it stinks in my mind how, how it's come about and what's happened. Yeah.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, OK, here's Graham Soonis, the honest broker in all this. What did he make of it last night as part of uh, Virgin Media's Champions League coverage? Have a look.
8: To chat about it, I, I was trying to put myself in that situation, you know when you go and play for your country you get caught up in it you know you, you know the, the national anthem you know you, you're mm. proud to wear that shirt with a badge on it um, I, I, I would have found it very hard if I had gone down that road where I played youth football, I'd played under 23 or under 21 and then I'd played a friendly from a, from a country to walk out and I, I don't think me as a person would have done that I, I look at that statement, which has been drafted by a lawyer or a PR consultant, Agents. and it just oozes, for me, it just oozes that his advisors are telling him, for you to fully, um, I'll use the word, cash in on your career over the next 10, 12 years, mm. you're better, trying to, there's no guarantee of play for far mm. better being an English international, you're more valuable to whoever may be interested in, in using in some sort of advertising way it would be far more valuable to them if you're wearing an English shirt than an Irish shirt and that, that, that's how I see it I don't see those words being drafted by the player himself every 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 statement every sentence is covering his backside about not trying to upset him. As anyone. someone who's
4: been in, in fo- professional football for, for many years now is he not entitled to, do, to make that decision the best decision for him professionally
8: I I, I think I think he's been I think he would have been coerced into making that choice. I think someone had a big influence on him. I come back to what I started by saying. I think once you've played for your country, you get... You, you, There's you an get, honour about it, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. it? It would be impossible when you, not when you line up to affect for, you. When you
3: line up for the anthem, it's the proudest moment in any sportsperson's career. It's the proudest moment, bar none. And he stood there, lined up for the anthem, and he's said before, he's kissed the
8: badge, he's mm. said the right things. You and have now, a tear in your eye. I, I can it's, remember it's, a flower of Scotland being played and I've had a tear in my eye. Yeah.
0: Virgin Media Sport is the new home of European football in Ireland with more than 400 UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Nations League games live this season. Virgin Media Sport is exclusive to all Virgin Media TV customers. You can also download the TV Anywhere app and stream all the action whenever and wherever they like.
1: It's, uh, like, it, it's very easy to say that you know, the, that view kind of contrasts with everything that modern footballers are thinking about, but I would honestly believe that there are plenty of people playing football today who would also have a tear in their eye listening to their own national anthem. It's just that nationality is a very complex thing and has it become a more diluted thing in terms of the amount of people who actually feel very strong about their own nationality? Perhaps it has over the last couple of decades and you get more evidence of people like Declan Rice coming along and I think it's, I I just think that there is a sort of projection of uh, Graham and Kevin's own view of nationality onto Declan Rice here. Is there not that this guy clearly just doesn't feel as strongly about whatever country he represents as the two lads and it's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're right, about the, they're right about the system, though. You shouldn't be able to change it's the system. Though, the system is a different thing. For a senior international level,
1: should you? It, will, will that actually benefit us, I wonder? Like, being able to change? No, if, if, if the rules were a switch that you make one friendly appearance or whatever it is, and then suddenly you're, you're stuck with that team internationally. Like, are, you, you do wonder if, if down the line, is there going to be a reverse situation of this, where somebody's really good for England gets uh, an appearance in a, in a friendly international, never plays a competitive match, and has Irish connections. Yeah. I like, mean, the, it, this is a two-way street. Yeah, and we've, we've benefited quite a lot from the
0: grandfather-grandparent rules, so, um, yeah, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do, really. Like, it's a, international rules. Who cares about how you get there, when you get there, if you commit to the team, that's all that matters. He wasn't committed to the team, that's what matters. Fair enough. Yeah,
1: yeah. Basically, uh, like I, I do think kind of separately to all of this, I, I do think once you have se- once you got a senior cap for a country, you should be uh, nailed down. But I, I would just be careful from an Irish perspective. If we're looking about sel- talking about self interest here, if this actually serves Ireland's interest, to actually create some sort of Declan Rice rule, so to speak,
0: from our perspective. Yeah, that I'm, we I'm don't not sure. go recruiting sixteen-year-olds anymore.
1: No, as in the, the idea that uh, if you play uh, friendly for a country, then you should be tied down to that At FIFA level. Yeah. yeah, We should be lobbying for that, but and that's
0: going to take ages to get in, though. They're not going to do that, like, anytime soon. Um, yeah, he's such a good player, though. And all that crap in the English papers about, oh, he's not guaranteed a place in the team. Look at look at the amount of amazing centre-backs that are there that might take his place. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. He's uh, far better than most of the midfielders you have, and he's also far better than most of the centre-backs you have. Mm. They're listed off, like... Um, Harry Maguire, Will Keane. I saw Kyle Walker mentioned as a centre-back. Come on. Come on.
1: Is Michael he- Keane, you mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like it's... Better than all those. Is this, now, is this now going to help Declan Rice get a move in the summer if he wants to join a big club? Uh, yeah. Straight away? Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not sure if I ever subscribed to that idea. I think it was his West Ham form and his West Ham form alone which uh, is going to get him that move. All right. And it could potentially happen this summer.
0: All right, are we, are we done on this? Are we going to do any more? Karen Caban? No, we'll skip that one. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Okay, uh, so I think we've exhausted this. We have beaten the dead corpse of the, uh, Le Decision. We needed a better decision as well. We needed them to come out and face the, have a little video made by, you know, um, somebody Irish's production company, Graham Norton's production company. Mm-hmm. That would have been, oh, oh, it's,
1: uh, oh, okay, no, it didn't go our way at all. Where he's st- standing outside the Aviva and then does uh, a 180, hops yeah. on a ferry, and then is at St. George's Park. And it's like the decision is made. Yeah. I, I, I or I wish he was more angry if he, like, I gave right the outside. two fingers to Ireland and was like, no, I actually hate Ireland. I was on board until I saw that outburst from Kilbane, and then I was gone. Or if he, if he was just honest and he was like, listen, guys, even I didn't know how good I was. Even I didn't think I'd ever be able to play for England. And now I know I'm pretty bloody good. So if you don't mind, I'm going to go join the better international team. Yeah. That's a, that's a statement that, that I would have appreciated, even if it wasn't the truth.
0: Spurs hammered Dortmund 3-0 last night. Real Madrid scored a late winner against Ajax to beat them uh, 2-1 in Holland. And uh, we'll be talking about all that a little bit later on on the show. But next, we've got something brand new for you. Kieran Donnelly's going to join us in studio. Um, to get us there, here's some action from our brand new Gaelic football show, which airs every Wednesday afternoon, on whether or not Gooch is a better forward than Brogan. Things got a little bit heated.
4: Kerry last won in All Ireland in 2014 when Gooch was out with a cruciate. So the last time in, the, or the only time in the last decade that they've won it, they've done it without him. You look at the greatest game of all time which you just brought up where Gooch was unbelievable at centre forward in the first half and he was an unbelievable player but he more or less retired from inter-county football at half time because James McCarthy was put on him he didn't touch the ball That's for the rest bollocks. of the game Bernard Brogan scored 6 points uh, four from play on Marco Shea. unbelievable his record in All-Ireland Finals 6 points in 2011 2-3 two, in 2013 man of the match 2 points in 15 he's obviously gotten a little bit older the last couple of years he was the highest 3rd highest scorer in 2015 with 6-21 even though he didn't take any freeze, he has two crucial to one as well, and he's going to win his sixth All Ireland this year. Whereas Gooch has five, and I think that's pretty much the be
1: behind it. Well, it's like there's a lot of straw men there. Like Your argument a, was based on this. I'm. I'm, I, 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 I'm
2: actually, if Bruch, if Kerry got to this point, I'm, I'm developing, I'm developing
1: the allergies, allergies because of the amount of, of straw could there. And I can see
8: Jarzeybar raised. We're, for ta- you ta- we're talking
2: about
1: you. You basically just made an argument based on the fact that Dublin have achieved more in that carry team.
0: And he was a central part of every
1: when I mean, Come on, you've got it. You've got We're like talking about who is the better footballer here, and there's absolutely no question that Colin Cooper is probably. Why didn't the, you make the, the case for it
0: though? Why did you allow yourself to be browbeaten with this? Because this it's always land? it's always
1: a stupid thing that's thrown around. It's like oh, carry bottle it here and they bottle it there. Well, actual see, fact, this is I never really did. You, you, huge as an individual, I never really bottle in those situations. But I addressed it. I was like, you basically said he's a one trick pony. You you engaged with. That I literally argument. said the opposite. I was like, how long did his peak last for? And I was like, he actually adapted his game the very opposite of a one-trick pony. If you sent a show pony out to the Grand National and he won it, that would be the version of what Gooch was in his career. Alright, it's time for Kieran
0: Donahue Shot Clock. He's here with us uh, to talk about the big stories of the week. We're going to talk about them, we're going to debate them back and forth and then at the end of it, uh, we might have scores. Who knows? Kieran, you you're very welcome. Thanks very much, Shot. So, we're going to go through these topics, right? Um, this is very straightforward. And then at the end of it, we're going to have a, an interview. David Brady's going to join us to talk about um, uh, the, the passing of a legendary coach this week. Um, our first topic, we've kind of done it a little bit to death, but I want to get your take on it. Um, so we're going to start with the defection
9: of Declan Rice. What do you make of this? Um, yeah, I suppose. Look, it's you know, it's disappointing. He's you know, looked like he was going to be a great player for Ireland. We um, were all delighted to have him. Um, you know, then he's got, his, he's got his head turned by England. You're kind of going, the, the minute I heard it, I was going to be worried because you know the quality of the player. His grandparents are from Ireland. He's born in England. He was raised in England. All his friends are English. He's probably been watching both, you know. Can he be proud to be both? Can he be proud of his Irish ancestry and can he be proud to be English? What, 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 what's your ancestry like? Yeah, like my dad's Tyrone. Um, Is it part of you feel a bit Tyrone? Yeah, pr- yeah, proud of my Tyrone blood, absolutely. Um, but i also a very proud Kerry man. So um, yeah, if, if, if Tyrone had called me when I was fifteen to say when I was useless at football and couldn't get on any Kerry team, will you come up and play for Tyrone? I would be probably going, yeah, I might go up and play for Tyrone. Um, but then at the same time, if, if Kerry come back at me and say we want you to play for Kerry, who have Thirty-six All-Ireland's and all this history, and um, maybe have a better chance. You might have a better chance, even there was that ended up being a great Tyrone team that went on to win three All-Ireland's. But at that stage, they would know All-Ireland's when I was that age. So um, you're looking at Kerry. Could we come back and play with Kerry? I'd be like, probably yeah. I was born in Kerry. My friends are from Kerry. My mother's from Kerry. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a tricky. It's it it is a tricky one. Like it it looks to me that it's just a complete. You know, um, he probably didn't see this coming he was 16 when he was playing for Ireland we've got to realise what age he is he's probably finished his junior sort like you know what I mean You're, will you play for Ireland absolutely I'll play for Ireland nobody from England's called me um, there's been loads of players that have been born in England that have played for Ireland and represented this really well and be very proud to be Irish and I'm no, I've no doubt that if the England call never came he would have been very proud to be an Irishman and, and gone out and played really well for us so it's Martin O'Neill's fault well, that's what, that's what you say. Yeah, that's what you say. But I don't think it's. I, I, could he have given him the call? Would he have forced his hand a bit? Maybe was he thinking at this stage, I'm good enough. I might go play for England. Um, it's. 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 Yeah. Look, we're gutted. Gutted to him, But um, it's. Uh, it's a, a business decision. I think long term.
0: That's it. And it is the sense that um, like we're a bit ashamed because we tried something and it failed. That's what. That's what we're ashamed of here. Yeah. possibly. It's not. It's not that. Like. It's not that. He's made a horrible decision and wronged us. Really, it's that we tried something, it didn't come off, and you're left with egg in your face. And you're like, ah, that's
9: yeah. It's probably where both teams are right now as well. You know, England a good World Cup. They say Gareth Socke a great manager. Ireland are a bit all over the place at the moment. Yeah, uh, bringing in a new manager now, another new manager in two years, or you know, yeah. maybe he's like looking at like Socke might be. A good a good There fifth. for the long term. Yeah. Yeah, and help them to develop as well. Um, yeah, Until they enough. lose three games and they want English they want to get rid of soccer.
0: It's true, it's true. <laughs> although he seems to have managed that quite well. So um, okay, so our next topic this week is uh, Dublin's weak spot. And um, believe it or not, this uh, pertains to Stephen Cluxton, but more about his absence from the team. Can you explain this? All of a sudden, Dublin look human. How did that happen?
9: Uh, I just, it's just his effect. Like, you look at how good he's been for so long for this Dublin team and you're watching the last day and Evan Cummingford's a very good goalkeeper, great reports coming out of club football for him. He's been in with Dublin. Um really you know, a solid goalkeeper. But when you when you try and compare solid with how good Stephen Cluxton has been for this long for Dublin, I don't think there's ever been a player and maybe never a player again that runs a team like Stephen Cluxton does. You talk about Tom Brady with the New England Patriots, how stable himself and Belichick have been. You have a feeling if Jim Gavin came in at the exact same time as Stephen Cluxton, you'd have, the exact, you'd have that dynamic that Dublin have. He's the quarterback of the team, he runs them. And Justin on Saturday night, they just missed. You could just see, like, like if Cluxton plays Saturday night, Dublin probably win by a pint or two you know there was one or two little slight errors early in the game that led to Kerry points um, but it's much more than that it's, it's, it's how safe they feel at the back even them few high balls that came in that were scrambles and Kerry ended up getting the goals and 45s out of them. you just have a feeling Cluxton may, may have handled him a bit better Kerry don't get a goal in a pint and then Dublin win by three or four points and that's that's how fine the margins are I just think there's he's just so important to Dublin like if there was he used to miss, like he missed the game last year. It didn't really matter. It was against Westmead, you know. He, he was injured, but you know if he was injured and got injured for an All Ireland semi final, like you know, it's it's a real talking point about how effective Dublin could be without him.
0: Yeah, what's he actually like on the field of play when you are coming up against him and, and you're in that full forward line and you're here? And what's he saying? What's he, what's he doing that makes you think he's different from everybody else?
9: He's just such a great communicator. I played with him in the international rules too. He'd be very quiet obviously does no media doesn't do any of that you know you don't he doesn't let you in that way, but as a, as a, as a teammate he would be very direct in meetings um, and 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 yeah playing against him he's nonstop, you know he's, he's keeping fellas under toes. He's not really roaring and shouting and, and bellowing non-stop, but he is he's, he's keeping everybody on their toes and, and making sure that they're doing their jobs the right way. Been no sign of
0: him back just uh, yet this year. Um, uh, the media would tend to speculate about stuff like this, you know, that whole J.O. situation. Where is Cluxton?
9: Yeah, I think Cluxton is taking his break and he'll be getting his maybe giving his kicking leg a bit of a break for a while. But yeah, yeah he's going nowhere.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, OK, next thing that we're talking about here is uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's job. Um, is it going to job at this point having had a remarkable opening to his career as the manager of Manchester United does he deserve the job is he exactly what that club needs right now somebody who fully understands the traditions of the club the demands of the role who has the ear of Alex Ferguson who is clearly leaning on Ferguson's uh, greatness and genius and who is actually somebody who can bring Ferguson back into the club in a meaningful way as opposed to everybody else who kind of needs to keep him at arm's length or are Manchester United completely crazy to be considering this what do you think Aaron?
9: Uh, I think Solskar, I love him. Uh, like the way he's gone about it. Uh, even liked him as a player, which as a Chelsea fan would, would always be hard to admit, but just liked the way he went about his business and how deadly he was. and I think United were very smart. I think they waited till the right time. Mourinho had a lot of tough games, ended up losing 3-1 to Liverpool. Ship him out, bring in Solskjaer. Uh, a lot of mediocre teams playing United for the next 10 or 11 games. He'll get his he'll dip his toe in it, he, he, he'll get us back and he'll lift the mood, the spirit uh, of the team. Um, is he the right long-term? I think their, next five, like their five games in the next month, Chelsea, Liverpool, PSG away, um, Arsenal, Man City, I think I'd be holding tough. I think Pochettino is probably a guy that I would be holding out for and, and seeing how that develops, but... Um, United were certainly very smart about about how they did this, and uh, Solskjaer has lifted the spirits, lifted the mood. The players seem to play with a bit more freedom. He's got them playing the United way, um, but you'd have to see how this month fares out. Because if they're not winning the games or they lose a lot of these big games, I think you kind of go back to kind of a, a scenario where, yeah, maybe maybe how, how much of a how much of a kick did this give at yeah. the start, and is it plateauing now and? how much of a pedigree he has in in management and would be kind of called into question.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like um, the new manager bounce is fine when it's got Gunnar Solskjaer because he does understand the traditions of the club, but actually what they really need is someone like Thomas Tuchel who comes along and says, I've got European pedigree, I've got a team which is, you know, on the paper a little bit better than yours, but not that much better, and I completely dominate your team... And we win 2-0 because I know how European football is supposed to go. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does not have that experience. doesn't have the track record of uh, managing teams at the top level of, of European football. It seems weird to me that Man United are only being linked with Pochettino, really. The fact that like, he happens to also work in the Premier League. Do they not have the internet? Can they not do a little bit of research and go and see who the best managers in Germany are, the best managers in yeah, France or
9: Italy? Saying that though, if, if he comes in... And doesn't like doesn't do a good job straight away. It's kind of, oh, what did he? Do? He was out of PSG for a few years, you know. Like like the English Premiership is is is, is a graveyard. You know what I mean? If you're if you're <laughs> if you're not if you're not doing it, you're gone. Um, and I think they see Pochettino, they see him every week, how well he's doing with Tottenham. He's just a much, like, he's if safe. they didn't go out, but he's, well, he's, but he's safe, but he's, 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 a, he's a good manager. He's that's good that's manager clear that. to do what he's doing with Tottenham with the resources he has and the money that Daniel Levy's given him.
0: When you think back to um, the results, the uh, Man United Spurs result, and everybody going, oh, it's all Gunners now, and there was all those memes of um, Solskjaer moving him out of his seat and all that kind of stuff, and then they go to European football, and uh, despite the fact he's missing all his best players, Pochettino still puts in, uh, puts out a team that can win three 0 against Dortmund, who are really good, and it's not even close, really. Man United didn't get to the pitch of that game in any meaningful way. Now, granted, two very important players go off at half time, so maybe it's unfair. Yeah, to...
9: it, that, that possibly might have rattled him, but you look at it, and uh, you know he, he you know he, he, yeah, he did beat Tottenham. this quarter earlier on Rashford. You know, it was a tight kind of game for the rest of it. Could have gone either way. Yeah, um, they beat Arsenal. Um, but the rest of the teams, there were teams that you'd be fancying United to beat. So. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Solskjaer is, is a tricky top. one. You know, the, the real diehard United. If I think I was you know, if I was United, I'd be saying give it to Solskjaer because my heart would be overruling my head. But I, I still think they should wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six months see how five, this next you'd m- be like, oh man. Yeah see, yeah, see how this next month goes and never mind six months.
0: Next up we've got Sean O'Brien. So the news came through that Sean O'Brien will be leaving Leinster after the World Cup. He's going to be joining the London Irish Revolution and uh, making loads of money for himself at the age of... 32. Given how little rugby he's played over the last number of years, is it right that that will automatically mean the end of his Ireland career or does Andy Farrell decide, screw that, I'm picking Sean O'Brien irrespective of who's available to me because he is one of the best players. One of the best rugby players ever, according to Ronald Lagara at the weekend. Not just one of the best Irish players or one of the best back rows or one of the best sevens, but one of the best rugby players which is high praise. So what do you do here?
9: Uh, firstly, Sean O'Brien um Jesus, is there anything better than the Tullo tank putting it under his arm, looking at somebody and taking off, charging for them. I think uh, an inspirational player for Leinster have been unbelievable to watch. For Ireland, I just don't... There's no other player that gives you that buzz that when he picks a ball and goes, that he's, you know, Peter Manny's is coming into that, you know, Elk now, but uh, Sean O'Brien for years has been absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, to soldier tr- through all the injuries and to keep coming back... Um, And, yeah, he owes Leinster absolutely nothing. Had an unbelievable career with them, brought success that they'd never seen before, along with the rest of the the great players they had in that team, Uh, you know, around for the best stage of Irish rugby ever. And, you know, now moving on to a new challenge, which for him, I'd say, would be uh, an exciting thing. I don't know what cattle he's going to have over in London, (laughs) but I'm sure you get somebody to look after that. But, uh, yeah, no, um, do you pick him? It's it's a tricky... you know, if, if 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 rules are rules, and there's a and there's a grey area in this. Johnny was Johnny was a, was allowed to go to France and play, and you know we see Simon Zeebo hasn't worked out, and you know Sean might be in, and it might be an age thing, it might be just a manager's feeling towards them, but you know um, I think Sean probably knows that this decision is is going to you know, ch- change that up a small bit and, and probably means the end from an international. And he's probably looking at it that he's 32, he's had a, uh, a few injuries, um, and, you know, there's a, that's a lot of, you know, he'll get a bit more time to be right and, and rest and recuperate, I think, over London Irish.
0: Yeah, and also, um, I, I suspect if you're London Irish, you're signing Sean O'Brien, knowing that he can't then go off and play for Ireland. That, that's part of the deal that they want. I would say it is. Like, mind him and that exactly and that's why they're happy to pay him the money that they're paying him but um, yeah. like one of those iconic figures in Irish sport that it was interesting too O'Gara said that you know when he was in the Ireland camp he united the Munster Leinster factions it wasn't like oh here's another Leinster lad was I, like
9: a, I, yeah he's just got this real I've met him and, uh, a few times and he's he just got a real good way about him I can see him being great crack I, he's very good on Instagram he's Room with Peter Mahoney. Lately, he's inside. Peter's walking into the room. He's got the camera and I'm like, hey, you're room with me. And Peter's like, oh. he's like, do you miss me? And Peter's like, no, I don't miss you. Half tick because there's a, there's a bit of banter go on between them? But I, he strikes me as an unbelievable teammate. Really, don't Eric guy. Um, you know, even the money that. London Irish are paying; it's big money, but really for what these guys do compared to what the soccer players are getting, it's yeah. You know, some of these soccer players are earning that a week, which is which is scary, com- yeah. considering what these rugby players put their body on the line and how they put their body on the line for their clubs and their and their countries. And uh, Sean O'Brien was no better man to put his body in the line; he put his head where most people wouldn't put their feet.
0: Uh, it's obviously quite a while away, but I would like to see him involved in Irish rugby in some way, like as a coach or as a recruiter or something. <laughs> There you go. and <laughs> you sound saying, shut up. All right, so let's move on. Sorry, sorry is next. So this is uh, going to be particularly interesting because it turns out Kieran Donnelly is a Chelsea fan and knows exactly what he's talking about here. This is something that we've seen a lot. A manager comes in, says he's going to lay down the law, and some, sometimes they lay down the law successfully for one season and they win the league. Um, the most successful team in English football over the last decade has indeed been Chelsea in terms of league titles and all the rest of the stuff. But is, is it right the way that uh, Sari is being treated by his players in particular, and what does it say about uh, the state of the club is is it just Chelsea or is it everywhere
9: uh, it's a bit of everywhere I think you're, you're looking at the Sarri ball when he came in first Chelsea were flying personally, I was loving the way they played um, you know he was signed to bring in this new new type of football um really su- successful in, in, in the first few months in the job. Uh, a few hiccups here and there you know rumblings about players not being happy and players not being this and players not being that and i think there's a, an overall thing that's that's kicking into to english football probably maybe football around europe is players downing tools for managers you know i think um it's a real question that has to be asked if you have a falling out with the manager in the premiership and you're a high profile player and your team has a few shaky results you know, do you go to the next few top players and say this fella isn't do- good doing it, this fella isn't good enough? And then all of a sudden, are we getting to the point where players stop playing for managers? And I was at a game years ago when Scalari was struggling with, with Chelsea, and I could see Drogba who was stopped playing, and Gus Hiddin came in, and Drogba scored 11 goals in the, in the next seven games. It was a real, just a completely different type of player, um, and I think. You know, I hope that this doesn't happen in Chelsea at the moment. I think it happened a bit with Mourinho at United. Yeah, he was falling out with players, and they didn't like the style of play, and it was going bad. But I do think a certain high-profile players there just maybe said, you know, we'll have a few bad games for this fella. He'll get the bullet, and we'll get someone new into managers, and everything will be rosy in the garden again. If it was Kerry, if it was a club team or a Kerry team, and you're falling out with the manager, you have to start it out, or you just won't play. You know, and unless
0: you 're cork, obviously, in which case you go on strike <laughs> yeah you get rid of the manager again
9: and again and again yeah maybe yeah i don't' that 's a rarity more so i, I don 't see any of the Chelsea players or the United players going on strike they 're doing it in a far sneakier way i think
0: is there is there a counter argument though that these careers are so short and they want to be successful and that ultimately that um, there needs to be some player power to suggest that Okay, we really respect you as and your track record as a manager, but what we don't respect is the way you're going about your business at the minute and you need to change as a manager. There needs to be some way for dialogue to be possible.
9: Yeah, dialogue is absolutely never a problem. I've had plenty of dialogue with with managers over the years, but you always give it your all for your club or your county or your your country or whatever sport you're playing. You can't you can't for one second like if I saw if I thought I saw somebody on a, on a team that I played on that was not playing to their full potential or not trying because they were having an argument with the manager, I'd be choking them down the tunnel. I'd be savage. Like It's just not acceptable. And I think it's happening more and more. And I think it's an easy cop-out. And us as public, it's always the manager's fault. Do we really delve into why are these players not playing? It's far too easy to say, oh, I'm having a fight with the manager, I don't like what he does, I'm going to stop playing, or not playing well. It's
0: what did you guys think of what the Cork Hurders were doing then? Because you're kind of contemporaries of a lot of those guys. It must have come up in conversations at training or in the pub afterwards, going, jeez, that's interesting what they're doing.
9: Yeah, uh, to me it was, if, if they went that far with it, that it must have been unbelievably toxic, you know, that if you were going to go that far with it. So to me it was always... You know, i you know, there I know there was issues and there was fires against but I'd know a real pop like if they were going that far with it, they'd a real Yeah they had a real reason to go that far with it. You know, the there really was something there was something. Way of the way yeah, it was. no, there, it's the snee it's the it's the sneakiness of the downing tools, you know, um sticker twist on, on sorry, Chelsea are notorious for twisting and it has worked for them. But I'd kind of like him to see them stick for a while longer with this guy and, and, and let him get his philosophy in. I know, you know, get rid Jar- of Hazard,
0: get rid of a few of the players there who aren't trying a leg at the moment and get players in who are his players.
9: Well, when, when we say they aren't trying a leg, there was a freak result against Burnley and the last day you're playing against an absolute unbelievable Man City side, they hit you for a few goals early on. You keep playing that same way, which is the way he plays, and you leave yourself open, leave yourself... You know, you could, fight, you could go into... A 5 4 one and try and hold out and lose 3-0. Yeah, yeah. yeah, pointless. I'd be going for the juggler. I'd prefer to lose 6-0 than lose 3-0.
0: Yeah, OK. So Shane Lowry is our next talking point. Um, obviously, Shane Larry's had an amazing start to the year and has reminded everybody about just how popular he is. He also is one of those players who has the potential to really reinvigorate the European Tour. Having decided not to chase his PGA Tour card this year, uh, you know, it's cause and effect, really, um, because he lost his card last year. He has committed to the European Tour, and uh, you have personal experience of this. You've seen him um, at a European Tour event, and the popularity he's held, in, and this is outside of Ireland.
9: Yeah, it was yeah. done in um, Dubai uh, a few weeks ago, watching him there. He just won in Abu Dhabi. Uh, he's just held in such regard by Irish people. I think his he's, his Irishness is is um, is huge, you know. He's, he, he, you know, he loves the GA. He's watching GA go. He loves the Irish soccer team, you know. He loves the Irish rugby team. He's, he's really into all the sports. He's a real down to earth guy, um, which I think people have a great fondness for him as well. But overall, his golf game is, is, you know, really good. And he, you know, he did struggle for a while, for a year or two there, and um, it was tough to see because you know I'd watched him in a few interviews. I met him above the Irish Open last year in Donegal, and. You know, you could tell mentally he was struggling with, you know, I'm so good at this game, but I'm not playing well. That must be so hard for a golfer. You have no teammate to pull you out of it. You have no teammate to carry the slack. It's all down to you. And I think for a player like Laurie to see him playing so well again, to see him win that tournament, to see him out there with his daughter and his wife was lovely on the green because, you know, he's he's a daughter around the same age as myself. And I, I just, that moment when... when, when um, when he was on the green with him was was lovely for me as, as, as a dad and as a as sportsman to just see him kind of have that little moment because, you know, you, you could tell that it, there, was, there was a bit of a, a, patience way, a, patient, a patient way to get there. So for me, and like, you know, I'm delighted to see him. So back up to 44 in the world, you know, he'd be in the majors, you know, Ryder Cup next year. Yeah, Harry Harrington. has to pick him. He has to pick him, right? Yeah. whatever
0: everybody complained about, oh, you're just picking your mates. Yeah, I am. I'm the Ryder Cup captain. I get to pick my mates.
9: Well you know his his game is so good like his shot game is one of the best in the world so you know uh, mix perfect f- yeah absolutely i would be brilliant in, in in some of the Ryder Cup games and you know oh. what <clears throat> he's got serious guts as well so that's huge in a Ryder Cup and i think if you're coming down the 18th and Lowry's all square and the match is on the line for Europe i'm back in Lowry yeah anytime he's in contention
0: it's always in like a massive tournament it's like a major a WGC it's like these run of the mill european tour events it's like ah okay I you know I'm not ready that uh.
9: yeah I think if you if you can do it at that level in them high profile events um you can do it anywhere but there's a sense of him and and he's pride of place in Ireland and therefore if he was on a Ryder Cup team I can just I can see the the crowd like the crowd around him in, yeah. in I followed him for seven or eight holes below in Dubai like, and he went I think five under or six under for those eight holes and the, the amount of Irish people around the greens yeah. the cheers when the putts are going in like I'd say the other pros are around the place they're kind of going what's going on, like there was no like high-profile guys, there was nobody really around after them, they were all after Laurie.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a similarity, I think, in terms of his popularity with uh, Sean O'Brien, that he kind of transcends his own sport and everybody just goes, that guy is somebody that we can
9: get behind. Correct, absolutely, and yeah, there's a good, good bit of that about him.
0: I want to talk about um, John Morrison, obviously, who um, sadly passed away this week, but uh, his place in the pantheon of uh, Irish coaches is really secure, the outpouring of of love really for him and for what he did as a coach was something that um, really shone through. Uh, He worked with a load of different teams uh, all right around the country, and this was something that you wanted to talk about, Kieran, because um, you felt like he was a bit of a trailblazer in terms of just thinking about the game.
9: Yeah, just reading a lot of the reports that I've seen over the last um, two days is just seemed to be that kind of step ahead you know from a long time back you know, he was doing a lot of scenario based training where it was kind of all drills at that time you know so very interesting never really came across him but um, played again you know he was a manager of Mayo in 2006 um, uh, with Mickey Moore when, 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 we, when I won my first All-Ireland medal so he was you know I remember him down in the hill that time when Pillar I think who was friends, friendly with him didn't like that the Mayo boys went on front of the hill and went down and gave him a bit of a bash almost to say, I can't believe that you've let this happen type thing. But you no, know, like he just strikes me from, from what I hear of all the talk of him and, and how fondly the players have spoken of him as you know, a real players guy and, and a real innovative coach, which is, which is always interesting.
2: Yeah,
0: David Brady's on the line to talk to us a little bit about this. Um, David, it's Valentine's Day, it's an appropriate day to be talking about this because um, John was a man who liked to send his players Valentine's cards.
4: Yeah, look at it. It was 13 years ago today. We arrived at training, sure and um, after you have your usual meal, but we, we were we were brought into kind of a, a darkened room with candles and lovely red roses on the table and red napkins, and it was going, Jesus, Morrison's up to something here. And, uh, yeah, each and every one of us, and it was uh, actually um, a guy, Pat Casey, who was on the panel at the time, um, kept his card, and I, it was great to see it this week again. We all got a card, and it was my card was from uh, Sam Anta that she loved me and what we were we were meant to be. And Pat, Pat's card was a Valentine's card from uh, it was uh Miss. She was uh, May. May was her name. May Oh when Sam, and it was just you know it was it was just the small things. Now they were incidental to what he did really on the pitch. That's what, as you said this week, and 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 Kate said it has just shone through. There's a lot. There's a lot of people, Jerry, I suppose in this life that I would call uh, mercenaries um, in GEA. That their, 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 their real intention is not is not to improve people, but to improve themselves and probably their pocket. But I would say, John Morrison was for me a missionary. And um, whether it was Dunny Gall, Dury, Leitrim, or Mayo, he 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 left a, an indelible impression. But he also left you with something to work on, whether it was an ind- as an individual on the pitch or off the pitch, or as a team and Going back, when you go back, like he only spent 11 months in Mayo, but he he, he was just phenomenal. And, and from a personal perspective, he, he go, You know what, Dave? Great, great catching. You can catch any said, but I don't know about the way you come down. And he kind of broke down the millisecond from catching a ball to hitting the ground, what you needed to do, what you needed to be planting, where you needed to be pushing off, driving off, your toe pointing, your knee extending, and you're going. It sounds awful complicated, but you're right, John. And that's that was the you know that was the beauty of the man. He seen, he he definitely and if, if, if the likes of himself and Mickey Whelan for me, um and, and knowing what people have said, they they were they were just light years ahead in 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 terms of thinking and everything else. And it's um you know what it's 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 a sad it's a sad loss to GA because he had an insight, he had an input. I heard Tarek O'Brien talking this week who actually came down to our dressing room 2006, 13 years ago, into a tr- into a county team dressing room to listen to our drills and talks and, and Tarek said, you know what, There was great fun and John said to us, whoever comes in will learn but they won't do it with as much love as we do it and that's, you know, that's uh, that was just the man.
0: Yeah. That was the there's a few parts of that really that um, got you thinking that the bit when you were talking about um, it was just drills as opposed to situational based things um.
9: yeah what was he in, on the training ground DB what was he um, you know what what kind of separated him apart was it like obviously what you're talking about the, the cards there is almost there's a bit of sports psychology in that probably yeah. ahead of its time but what was what was was it a lot of scenario based stuff? Was it was it really new to you as a player thirteen years ago? Because I know it would have been you know it wouldn't have been something that would a lot would have been done at that stage.
4: You know what it was, Karen. And you go back to the not even the pitch, but before we got onto the pitch, we we you know how people explain what I want you to do in this drill on the pitch. It was we we spent thirty minutes, twenty five minutes inside, saying this is what we're doing this is where I want you to be, this is where I want you to line up, and this is what the thought process is in it. He says, we won't get it right. But we, from a from a style of play, like we had calls, like, and we I, we still laugh at them as, as, as when we meet up now and again, it was like the nut, the dice, they were like set-ups. There was a double dice, which you'd have, the dice was two and two forwards up front. The nut was three in a triangle and two guys coming left and right. You had your, you know, whatever side you were you were attacking on the right side you wanted to go on not on the left you wanted to go dice on the right it was just like now you could you could actually picture and you know what it give us it give from from us and all, now Barry you sure our boys hammering us in a, in a final but it just give us that uh, kind of freedom as players to say you know what let's create space for each other and let's work for each other because it probably wasn't there in a lot of occasions in the build up to that
9: yeah, like calls I, I, calls are something that are coming, you know, so popular now with, with kickouts and, you know, even forward play that that sounds super interesting that that was going on 13 years ago. Because I know we would have never been, I don't think we would have been talking in them terms 13 years ago. Um, like 11 months, got to an all Ireland final, had a really good year. You know, obviously, would you've you know should should may have kept the two lads? Would you have you know what what was the future holding for you at that stage? Was everything going well? Because you know, yeah, like you know that that game was a bit of a, a freak game in two thousand and six. Uh, the way the way it unfolded, we'll say, but um, like you had a really solid year that year.
4: And you know what, guys, that you know what, guys, like say, like if you take example, Kevin O'Neill, for example. Who had kind of came out of the wilderness altogether? They just said, "You know what? These guys can play a ball."
10: Mm-hmm. And the
4: way that that Mickey and, and John set us up, it was it was that kind of freedom that they got. But you know what? I would never seen John Morrison from after the All Ireland final in September two thousand and six until about I'd say nine years later, and it was in the Athletics Grounds in uh, in Armagh, and it wasn't a handshake; it was a hug, and you kind of gone. It was not. It was. It was a bad ending because it was. It was more internal than it was. definitely wasn't the players. The players, um, the players that that, that um, had any say in John and, and Mickey not coming back after year one, 11 months reaching Ireland final. It was an internal um, county board matter. Okay. But we would have. We would have loved. I'd have loved for him to stay. But you know what? And this is the truth. And everyone across the country is coming out and saying it this week. He stayed in touch with so many. Whether it was managers or players, and he, I, he was giving out advice left, right, and centre every single day of the week yes. to every corner of the of the country, and you can see it in, in guys that is, writing. I think Karen Shannon's um, article this week, Declan Broder's, they're like they're, they're fantastic examples of of what he still did behind the scenes. And I know from a certain amount of players that were in the panel at the time, and and Andy Moore would be an example. Was still they still had had time. And the players still had time for them, and you, you can never stop learning. But I, I'd always say if we could harness what John Morrison has given people, or if we can, if you could collate it, because his articles were brilliant. It's, it, um, he definitely was. A, he was a missionary because he, he, he. He wanted to spread the word and that was of football and how he thought it should be played and it's it's um he is he, he was he was you know what he was a great crack and I go back to the belt in the back, the pillar gaven.
9: Did he did he I did he send you in to belt me in the back in that final in two thousand and six because I should a done w-
4: more to belt in the back. Well I tell you
9: one thing you did enough of it when you came in. <laughs>
4: The whole thing with Pillar, he goes, I bet you it was Morrison that put them up. <laughs> and Mar- I never... Mar- John was going... Mickey was going around and saying, how dare he?" And Morrison, Mar- Mar- all he was saying was, I love you, boys. I love you. I love you. <laughs> he, lo- he, he loved something like that. And again, Pillar, Pillar respected because P- Pillar, Pillar had, 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 had learned from him or been in contact with him. And still afterwards, as yeah. many intercounty managers were and um, you know what there's 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 um, you could spend your lifetime in a club current or a county and and not come across someone that says you know what you really you really made an impression and what people said this year, this this week and a, and a sad passing was it was the way that he made them feel as well that mm-hmm. was the that was the big thing with John Morrison
0: and just to confirm DB it was all entirely your idea and you were happy that John Morrison has carried the can all these years with pillar
4: you no, know, you know what? Fair play to John. He he was he, he thought inside the box and outside the box. Outside the box. And you know what, boys, it's great. Karen, all the best for the for the for the summer and I hope you I hope you find your feet. I hope you find your tongue. Uh get a little bit of get a little bit of confidence. You're not
9: worried about me finding my tongue, yeah.
4: <laughs> One thing you need to stop doing, boy, you need to stop buttering me up. <laughs> Someone said to me, Donny, he's on all week and all he's doing is buttering me up. but hey, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll cross towards during the year and I look forward to it.
9: No, bye
0: TV, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers, boys. Alright, uh, that's um, that's the first one of our shot clocks down. The graphics didn't work. What are you going to do? We're yeah, getting, yeah, we're, we get we're getting there. Week? We're getting yeah. there. Yeah, so uh, if anybody has any ideas for us though, they can um, email us or hit us up on uh, any ideas for topics. We're open to them.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's just about a bit of uh, to and fro. I'm sure the it was a bit, you know, we had a few topics to get through that we both agreed on today, but yeah. I'm sure next be week
0: f- we'll change. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start a WhatsApp group so we can start our uh, disagreements. In, in, uh,
9: <laughs> oh, and there's loads started. of disagreements in WhatsApp groups. Don't worry. That's a show in itself.
0: That's coming. All right, um, here is Jamie Clark talking about um, his struggle to identify work-life Gaelic football balance and the transformative impact that a spell in New York City has had. Here he is in conversation with Joe last night.
7: I suppose that's why maybe pushed the media off for a bit Um, it was kind of one of those things where post 2017 season like I knew I was going before that and I I just I think when I did return maybe wasn't ready off the pitch that is so just my own personal space and and getting things right career wise Mm. Um, and just ultimately being happy Um, you know I think maybe we've all probably been a wee bit too shy in and seeing that and it's just, I supposed it's getting those things lined up lined up as well outside of
2: of, of football. Um, so expand on that for a second. You you have this year in New York in twenty sixteen. Yeah. A, an enjoyable year, a good year. Yeah. You're trying to get your career in a well, place. There was,
7: yeah exactly. So there was always the passion with the football. Like that that was never an issue, that was yeah. never in doubt. It was just trying to get something else. That that was right for me and, and mm-hmm. so I could do the right thing. Um and it was fashion, wasn't it? it yeah, was. It was, big, it was or, Um again, Once, you, like it's again, it's the grass is always greener. So I'm in New York, and I don't love the football. So it's yeah, something I had to give. And um, I think
2: ultimately, it, it was just about finding that balance. Um, so when you came home from New York in 2016, had you got your career to a point where it was good, or did you come home from New York in 2016? It, 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 it was. Or, it, I, I, it, it could listen. It
7: it could have been. Grand, but you know, I just I'm I don't I'm not comfortable with grand. If you know what I mean.
0: Jamie Clark's book is going to be a good book. Um, even if he was to write it now, it'd be a great book. But there's a, a second act. Maybe it's actually a third or fourth act to come in his career. And uh, as somebody involved in GA, that's definitely worth um, digging out just to see how he's using that as part of his life and uh, how he's implicated in the rest of his life too. So he's got big plans, and we wish him all the best. Um, and uh, stay tuned to that story hope you enjoyed the bit with Kieran Donnelly we'll be back uh, next week and we're going to be doing that as often as we possibly can here uh, a whole new adventure so uh, if you didn't like it feel free to suggest changes and we'll take them on board um, got big tunes we can take it
1: Owen how are you? very well what's going on? not much Declan Rice is still an England player oh, sorry he's not an England player uh, we can keep referring to him as a, a for, non. For, as
0: an Ireland international?
1: Potentially. I, I, can, I, I think can, I just, can I just make the case for the FAI briefly? Right? I hold no candle for them. Uh, everybody understands
0: that. But uh, that was one of the greatest acts of trolling. They knew this was gone last summer. And they were like, screw you. You took our Ireland caps. Happy birthday to you. Here's a picture of you in our new jersey pulling your nips out. Come on, Declan Rice. Come on. Screw you. I think it wasn't trying to get him back. I think they knew at that stage he was gone. Although then they did send Mick McCarthy. I'm whole blown on my stories right away mm-hmm. uh, that I've talked about, or yeah, is like, it not just the
1: best trolling it, in the world? Well, it's one—it's one hell of dedication to the troll that Mick McCarthy will go over and actually try and uh,
0: speak <laughs> to him afterwards. When was that? Oh, it's not his nips. It's his shoulders. There you go. Well, that's the 14th of January, a, f- a month ago today.
1: Uh, you know, they're getting it out in, in Happy Birthday. The FAI should treat him every year on his birthday now. They should. Yeah, that would—that would be the best thing to do. Yeah. But like oh the, remember, here you are kissing the badge Here you are scoring for us Potential full international Declan Rice Is how we've got to describe him as from now on Until he makes that England cap uh, Yeah, is he, was he not a, is he, I mean, he has three caps, he's a full international Like, full competitive international potential Full Ireland international that's, that's my prediction for the future Is that this boy Declan Rice is good enough to play international football At a competitive level
0: Let's go through the newspapers, we're a bit late to this this morning We'll get Darren in for you through the day's uh, sports news And we'll also speak with Greg Hunter in a couple of minutes time So uh, Rice rejects Ireland in favour of England. That's Declan Rice wearing you know, it. It appears to be an Ireland jersey with a number seven on I Couldn't be an Ireland jersey though, because he's an England international uh, at some point soon. Sun Spark stunning second half Spurs spree. Woo! Somebody got their alliteration bug on. Sun stunning second half Spurs spree. Uh, from David Heitner at Wembley, the 3 0 win, Son Bertongen and Llorente. They hammered Borussia Dortmund and they are gone through to the quarter final, so give the job to Potch. Is what the Man United fans and uh, Dave Hannigan writing with the National Enquirer, Catch and Kill, Tiger Woods, Jeff Bezos, and the National Enquirer. That uh, National Enquirer story is absolutely crazy. Uh, Andrew Shocknisi has done a piece um, about the Electra Gale series on TG Carr. The, uh, the news broke relatively late last night that it's 95.8 million is going to be the cost. Of Porky Cueve. the original figure of 86 million is actually going to end up at 95.8. That's the current best estimate, and that's coming from uh, Michael O'Flynn and Tom Gray. And it's a bit different from the 110 million that Peter McKenna had um, suggested might be the eventual outcome uh, with respect to the cost for Portcreek. So we'll see. I guess you know it's one of those uh, running narratives: trainers under air lockdown get go ahead to race. So it looks like the. Um, it looks like the
1: equine flu is over, the scare is over. I
0: remember bird flu was a massive scare? Remember? I
1: got bird flu. Did you? Yeah. Around the 2009 All-Ireland Final, I can remember running onto the pitch after Kerry beating Cork and I didn't know where I was. It's like, whoa, what the hell is going on with me? You're sure, that was bird flu, yeah? Yeah. It wasn't like something else that had happened. What age know. were you? It 11, 15. All right. How did you get it? I don't school know like was it gone through I school so, yeah I was done I was stricken for the entire week of celebrations didn't get to go to Glen Bay to see Darren O'Sullivan bring his bring Sam Maguire back to his hometown which is a bit of a shame so uh, bird flu always brings back great and bad memories ok
0: so I was going to say I remember that it wasn't a real thing at all and it turns out it actually was so they were right to take the lockdown I'm surprised you didn't become our flu correspondent given that you had personal experience in this it's still Big a bit chance too, missed
1: it's too soon too soon
0: Uh, Proud Englishman Rice opts out (laughs) 2015 Ireland, Jersey 2016 Ireland, Jersey 2017 Ireland, Jersey 2018 Ireland, Jersey 2019 Three lines on his
1: heart It's amazing the power of the inverted comma So proud Englishman in inverted commas is just a quote If you just put the word proud in inverted commas It would be a loaded phrase Or if you just put the word Englishman in inverted commas there It would be a loaded phrase as well I wish that the sub-editors had actually gone with that Proud Englishman Declan Rice uh, is certainly how I'm going to describe him from now on. Yeah, and then they've also got the Parker Queeve story. Uh, no more Mr.
0: Rice Guy is the um, best rice-related pun in the paper, certainly from um, the broadsheets this morning. This is from the times Ireland edition. Hammer blow is how they say in the front front of the uh, paper. And that's it. I mean, it's gone. We
1: don't have to talk about it anymore, though that's the best part about it, right? I see you're no more Mr. Rice Guy, and I raise you spoiled rice, says the back of the Irish Daily Star Dunphy slams on Neil and Keane for losing a sensational talent.
0: I mean, he's right. He's right. It's hard to,
1: you know, he's right. There's uh, an ad on the back of the Herald, but inside the back page it goes with Rice move is alarm call for Irish game. And uh, the Irish Daily Mail then actually don't lead with that kind of nice. They lead with the new deal. GPA I move for percentage of ticket sales. So this is the Gaelic Players Association who said yesterday that they're going to lobby to link their funding from the gate receipts from the GEA. Uh, so the GPA received fifteen percent of the GEA's commercial revenue, which was just over two point nine four million euro in the year twenty eighteen. But a 15% of ticket sales in 2018 would have been worth just over €4 million. So uh, they're looking for more money, basically, and they're looking to get it in a different way. The back page of the Sun is It's a Disgrace. Former Ireland ace Breen hits out a turncoat rice. Declan chooses England is uh, the story on all the back pages, really. Uh, And the back of the mirror is Hammer Blows. Ireland legends line up to put boot into West Ham Starlet, but Mick moves on. They're talking about Kevin Kilbane and Gary Breen's response to Declan Rice's decision. And then a couple of the UK sports sections. The Daily Telegraph go with white-hot Tottenham. Pochettino's side produced superb performance to put one foot in the Champions League quarter-final, And then it's Jan Vertonghen on the back of the Guardian. Blown away, Vertonghen's volley hands Tottenham the initiative. Good old night for Spurs. Yeah, an amazing night for Spurs. Um,
0: And I I don't think, you know, obviously we've been obsessed with the Declan Rice story over the last 24 hours, but you, you are comparing and contrasting what happened at Old Trafford with what happened at Wembley and suddenly that result between Spurs and Man United seems far less important. That's one league game. This is progression to the quarterfinals
1: of the Champions League. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. I think, are you judging each team now on what happened over the last 48 hours, the Spurs team and the Manchester United team? Because I think when you look at the Paris Saint-Germain performance and certainly the individual talents that they have they're uh, probably a tougher proposition than at Dortmund at the moment
0: yeah maybe but at the same time it's like um, an understanding of what
1: it's going to take to win that game
0: it's preparing your team because remember the best players that Spurs have aren't available to them like, yeah and true you're doing a number on a team who are doing really well and who have I don't know I, I just I think that if you're part of the Man United hierarchy you're cooling your jets and you're going this is interesting Let's just see what happens here. And you're definitely, I think, trying to find a role for Solskjaer at the club that is like part of a brains trust, whatever that is. Um, now, Maybe he doesn't want to be a director of football or part of the director of football's team or any of that. Maybe he just wants to be a manager in the Premier League. And if that's, if that's what he wants, like now you would give Solskjaer a job in the Premier League, no problems, and say, OK,
1: I can, I can see what you're capable of doing if we support you in a certain way. Does he go back into the churn of the managerial roundabout, though, uh, if he doesn't get the Manchester United job? Like, he still has to say yes to a role at Manchester United if he doesn't get the job, because ultimately he's in this position now to be in contention, right? So... Previously it would have been Ogon or Solskjaer is a placeholder and then he goes back to doing what he usually does but could, because of his strong start he is now in the mix he this would now be uh, not getting the job situation should they opt for somebody else
0: what well, could he could he be a permanent placeholder though with the understanding that this is going to happen in Man United every three seasons at the best case scenario it could it could actually be every 18 months really uh, if the last Seven years or anything to go by, last six years or anything to go by. Um, so he becomes part of the club furniture, steps in whenever they sack whoever, comes back, and do you know what I mean? That actually, like he's. Various football clubs have these people who are kind of the permanent uh, future caretaker manager on the staff, who's not quite the director of football, but who's not threatening the current manager so Pochettino doesn't come in and, and see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at meetings and go that guy's going to stab me in the back but he's on the, the staff because then Manchester United have someone who is like well this team here has uh, three kids in the reserves who are really good that we're going to send out and allow and manage and I'll worry about them Pochettino you worry about the first team and that's all you need to worry about
1: It will be a remarkable parking of ego though wouldn't it? to voluntarily put yourself into that position that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer says to himself, I'm happy enough to never be first-team coach?
0: would <laughs> be like, there's loads
1: of money in his pocket. They'd be weighing down his pockets with like, loads of money at the biggest club in the world. Can cash kill that level of ego? Because I think for anybody to have reached his level, he probably has a, a sheer slice of awareness of himself, no? That, no I mean, but like, he, he wants to be successful on an individual basis. He wants plaudits. Everybody in that role does. I think I would be very, very impressed with any person who would be able to be manager of Manchester United, do a reasonable job. He's not the manager. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, but like just to, to finish the point, do a reasonable job, not get the job, and then be happy enough to say, "I will support the guy who beat me to the job." He's the interim manager. And that's what they said when he took over. They things have changed. Say, yeah, but, well, things they haven't. Have he's on the same contract. He's on the same contract. And it has changed. Change. In terms of his relationship with that vacant job. He's done, a, he's, done a, he's done a really good job and he's put himself
0: in the discussion for it. But he must know that like the experience that someone like Thomas Tuchel has, and I'm just using Tuchel because he's the person who's re- most recently rolled into town and completely beaten his team while missing some of his best players. So... Uh, Man United hierarchy must be looking at, okay, how did that guy get good? Look at his career path, and uh, maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's career path isn't a million miles away, except that it lacks that success in a league that shows he can do it over a sustained period of time.
1: Yeah, so what does Solskjaer do? So say if Solskjaer is looking at what Tuchel has done, how does he follow his career path? Because... If you look at Tuchel's career path, I mean, he Take did, over
0: Everton, turn them into. Well, that's a team exactly that, it. That that's a, the
1: Champions League season after season. That's what I mean. Get so, the Spurs job next. Like, that, that's, what, that's my initial point here that if Salcher doesn't get this job full time, he just goes back into the managerial merry-go-round churn. That is what happens here. He does whatever Tuchel did with Mines. That he's got to take up that job and then he gets his version of the Dortmund job and then he's a, a European class manager in a permanent scale. But the thing is, that Everton job or whatever it is, it's very, very high risk. Okay. A reminder that it's Valentine's Day today and uh, I don't know if you saw this
0: a little bit recently, but we got everybody out and Got a couple of five-a-side football teams together, and we organised the game. It was um, something that we're asking everybody else to do as well. But this Valentine's Day, we're asking you to show some heart by donating to the Irish Heart Foundation. You can donate today at irishheart.ie forward slash donate. It's for a brilliant cause, and we uh, wholeheartedly recommend that you get involved in this. irishheart.ie forward slash donate. Yeah, so um, our resident Spurs expert slash fan is, uh, is on the line this morning. John Duggan, good morning to you. It feels just like Rush all over again. How are you? Jaron Owen, how are you doing? This is about as happy as you can be as a Spurs fan, with the one caveat that every little bit of extra success Pochettino brings you this year makes it more and more likely that he'll be the Man United manager next year.
11: Well, I don't know about that. Um, I, I'm more worried at the moment, lads, about Spurs always letting you do down in the end, which is always what has happened with Tottenham over the last 32 years of following them. Um, I, I was, I'm breathing rainbows at the moment. I put up on Twitter last night that I'm breathing rainbows, and it's very hard not to breathe rainbows after... Uh, walking up to my local tavern, um, drinking a sparkling water and watching that last night. Jan Vertonghen, we've already seen the Superman memes. Uh, what a performance to beat the Bundesliga leaders uh, to win. I think uh, I think they've won now four games in a row with late goals. Uh, and it's just fantastic. Spurs haven't had a draw all season, which is bizarre. And uh, the, there is this phrase, Spursy, which is which, back to what I just said, that they'll always let you down, they'll always crumble, they'll always flake. But Spurs have not been doing that recently. And without two of their best players, Harry Kane and Deli Ali, it's just a magical time. And I was at the Champions League last 16 game in 2011, the AC Milan game. I couldn't believe that I heard the music. It was just that hearing the music was probably the best thing I've ever experienced as a Spurs fan. Hearing the Champions League music in 2011, we beat AC Milan over two legs. It was a goalless draw at White Hart Lane that night. Went to play Real Madrid in the quarterfinals, but we never had a chance. We reached the end of our road under Harry Redknapp that season in the competition in the Champions League. But I actually think, folks, and it's not um, Rose or Lily White-coloured spectacles, uh, I actually think Tottenham have a better chance of winning the Champions League than they do the Premier League because on their day, Tottenham Hotspur can beat anybody. And the physicality they showed last night reminded me of when they bullied Pep Guardiola's Manchester City a couple of years ago. On their day, they can beat anybody. And surely uh, the players like Son, uh, Llorente, uh, that come into the team, Uh, are are now starring and scoring goals must have huge confidence so it's great for the squad
0: Yeah, the other thing is that um, Spurs squad isn't that big they didn't buy anybody in the summer that was the narrative that we've been hearing for such a long period of time and yet as as you mentioned they're missing their two world class players or certainly two of their world class players I mean it's possible that there's a couple of others now beginning to leach into that uh, category but notwithstanding that they were able to um, keep Trippier and Rose on the bench and not use them last night like there is genuine strength and depth there Um, when Yama. When Yama was a midfielder that was highly coveted uh, 18 months ago for his form at Spurs, Spurs have actually managed to upgrade, and he's not a bad sub to have on the bench. Yorente's coming off the bench, and again, slightly underrated, I, I suspect, because of um, the fact that he's had a relatively slow introduction to English football, but he's had a brilliant career. Um, and then also Lamella is somebody who is finally beginning to show in fits and starts why they spent all that money so long ago on him. So there is some strength and depth and cohesion to the squad when there's as few injuries as they have at the moment.
11: And I think that's what back to what you're saying about Pochettino being so an attractive proposition, even though he hasn't won a trophy at Tottenham. He's such an attractive proposition for Manchester United because he improves players like Harry Winks, I thought was tidy. Sissoko, I thought was uh, clumsy, but Sissoko, the way he's been playing recently, he's like a rugby player. He's like a battering ram. And when you've got a player like Christian Eriksen, who is a world class player, who I think probably is the best player in the Tottenham team, um, putting balls on on, on a plate for people uh, like Llorente, who's a good header of the ball. Um, You can just see the improvement that's been made uh, through the Tottenham team. I don't think Trippier has played well that recently. And he's on the bench, and there you go. So um, I think Pochettino uh, has got everybody singing off the same home sheet. I actually think that, in a way, if you're signing players for big money in January, is that going to disrupt the cohesion of the squad? And maybe uh, Pochettino, through the fact that he's improved players, uh, and that Lucas Moura, for example, has come back almost like a new signing, uh, suggests to me that they're very, very stable, very unified. And they, they always so, get, seem like a unified bunch. And I think that is reflected in the character they've shown to win at Fulham, Harry Winks late goal, to beat Watford coming from behind, late goal against Newcastle. Ericsson's chipped in with a couple of late goals this season. And they're able to find another gear and that they're doing it without their best players. Um, is, is pretty impressive. But, and Tottenham tend to go on runs uh, during a the season. They might, uh, like when they nearly uh, caught Leicester for the title, they went on a run and then they faltered. Um, I think, I suppose, history will always tell us that we're waiting for Tottenham to falter. They've got to go to um, Manchester City, they've got to go to Liverpool, they've got to play Chelsea, they've got to play Arsenal in the league. That's why I think the Champions League. All you've got to do is win now. Well, you don't need to even win them all. You've you got to get through three ties now. The quarterfinals, I, I have to think they're probably into the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, semis and final. They have a better chance because I think City and Liverpool will ding-dong it out between them for the Premier League title. But I can see them being at the top four. I don't think the stadium thing's going to happen this season. Um, but, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it wouldn't be great to be bringing the Champions League trophy to the new Ironhead lane. We can only dream, guys. I suppose we're, we're, we're on a high this morning. And uh, we have them coming soon. It's a, it's a good omen.
1: Do you think that Spurs can realistically hold on to Maurizio Pochettino of Manchester United or Real Madrid come calling?
11: Um, it just depends. Like, Daniel Levy will have to open the purse strings. Like, I think it's just a very exciting time to be a Spurs fan. Of course, the stadium cost a lot of money, um, but it just depends on how much money is, is, is available for him. Like, London is an attractive place uh, for any club. Uh, I think that I think a lot of players are happy there, but this comes down to wage bill. It comes down to money for transfers, and uh, Tottenham have been able to straddle it. They've been able to get away with it to date, but there comes a time when uh, players are just offered just too much money that they'll eventually go. Uh, and and then you also need to you actually do need to spend in the market to compete. He's done a brilliant job of improving players. When Carrie Kane was on loan, it at, was at Leicester at one stage. Um, so I, I think we're in the sweet spot at the moment but I don't think they can go on forever and I think if United offer uh, Pochettino you know, huge money um, Madrid the same but I would think about those two clubs those clubs don't look to me to be the most stable clubs as clubs I think Tottenham is a very well run club it's got a good academy you've got good young players coming through you've got a great new stadium to go into I'm not so sure that Real Madrid, Real Madrid I think is a poison chalice for anybody you win three Champions Leagues it's never good enough uh, and we saw with uh, Le Pedigui uh, how it, it, can, it can damage somebody's career if, if you're not ready for it or if things don't go well. So you're ne- it's never good enough for Real Madrid. And for Manchester United, I would question whether the structures are in place at the club and the way the club has been run uh, for Pochettino to go in there and turn things around quickly. Because I think Manchester United is going to take a lot of working a lot of years uh, for somebody to work on uh, hasn't pochettino put in those years of tottenham so why would he change why would he move so i think it's difficult for a decision for him i also think it's a little bit disrespectful uh to tottenham because the tottenham are a different club now they're, they're they're not the club that they were it's a little bit disrespectful to go oh well he'll just sign for manchester united as a new manager of course united are one of the biggest clubs in the world globally but tottenham are a growing club and they're going to be in the champions league uh no question next season Manchester United might not be so I think there's a little bit of a legacy thing with with the way people think about Liverpool or Man United that they've got an entitlement to get anybody they want they do but the club has not been run in a in a very in a very good manner the fact that the the appointments they've made with Moyes with Van Hal, Mourinho didn't work out Solskjaer got exposed the other night and I, and I, I just think you know the grass is not always greener on the other side and Riccio Pochettino's got a big decision to make but I think his decision will be really um Uh, determined by what Daniel Levy as chairman does and what Joe Lewis the real owner of the club uh, out in the Caribbean decides regarding the purse strings of the club
0: Alright John good stuff thanks very much for joining us See you lads John Duggan giving us um, some it's a good point about like if you're Daniel Levy just give him whatever money he wants would you automatically give up Spurs in their new stadium to go and work at Man United would you? Like Man United's wage bill bigger than PSG's They've got those legacy contracts. How are you actually going to get rid of Alexis Sanchez on that deal? No one's going to take him off you. You're walking into the problems that have been made by throwing money at a solution when that was completely the wrong thing to do, whereas at least you
1: are the boss. You know everything, every nook and cranny of Spurs at the moment. Yeah, there's there's definitely an appeal to that. And if he realistically believes that he can win a Premier League title or a Champions League title with Tottenham, then why would you leave? The question is, can you realistically dream of doing that as Tottenham Hotspur manager. Well, if Levy does loosen the purse strings, as John says, and decides to pay to keep Maurizio Pochettino, then he might go out of his way to bolster the squad a little bit because they probably do need a deeper squad to actually win the Premier League. That being said, they've kind of disproved that quite a bit over the last two months, haven't they, in terms of surviving in, in an all right manner, with injuries and with say the departure of young Son to the Asia Cup, Been a bit lucky, though, haven't they? I, I'm just about to say that. Like, can they keep counting on that time and time again? I'm not so sure they can. I, I do think they need to, to strengthen and like Fernando Urente coming off the bench to actually you know score. What was it, the third goal last night? To, to say that he is now suddenly a, a top class option. Just isn't true. Oh, but he's not a bad option to have. He's completely, I think
0: he's underrated because uh, he's not Harry Kane. And so, therefore, you're not going to have a Harry Kane on the bench to replace Harry Kane. That's just how football works. Um, I very briefly, just want to remind everybody that um, we're uh, having a takeover today from the Irish Heart Foundation um, on Valentine's Day. Obviously, it's the Irish Heart Foundation, so you can see the link. Irishheart.ie forward slash donate is the uh, page that we're asking you to visit today. Um, you can give all sorts of things, you can give of your time, you can give uh, money, um, but we're asking you today specifically, because it is Valentine's Day, to show some heart by donating to the Irish Heart Foundation. And you can donate today at irishheart.ie forward slash donate. Now let's move on, um, Graham Hunter is on the line to talk with us a bit about some of the issues that are arising from the week of uh, Champions League. And I, I just want to pick up on that point about, so John Duggan, John Duggan just made the point, Graham, that you know if you're a Pochettino, uh, you're within your rights to... To stay where you are, negotiate a great deal and negotiate and make sure you've got a good transfer kitty. But the Spurs job is now as attractive as it has ever been and primarily because of the work that Maurizio Pochettino has done.
12: I think everybody is now um, eager to point out that when you lose two exceptionally important leader players and still stay in contact at the top of the league, go out of two cups because it's a very short time ago that People were, I think, slagging them off about the manner of the defeat in the FA Cup. And then to to pump Dortmund at a time when I think it's really important that Dortmund are missing a couple of players and are ingenues. They're, they're new to this pressure. They're new to the stage. Um, my tips aren't always beautiful, but I did tip them. Spurs to go through this tie. I didn't think Sino was in prospect, but I did think that they would go through Um, Pochettino's work. Yeah, I agree with you. He's got a very unified squad. He's made them more tactically intelligent. There are players you can point to that he's made better, but every football manager will tell you that when you get individual leader players stepping up to the margin when others are absent, and that's something that you have to doff your cap to them. and will have rarely played as good or as an influential game as last night. Others contributed. I heard your debate, you and know, about Jorenti who, across his career, although he's been less than highly visible at Spurs, has been able to do what he did last night. Maybe not Harry Kane level, but he does intervene. He took um, Athletic to the final of the Europa League with a wonderful goal um, against Sporting in the semi-final. Dotted across his career, he's done it for Spain as well and Juventus. So, yeah, I I do Lord Pochettino, but I think what we saw last night was a slight combination of circumstances where a very unified, very motivated Spurs found a Dortmund who, if you look at the last couple of weeks, uh, the way in which they've tossed away leads, the way that Alcazar and Royce were both missing, if you look at the way in which they were knocked out of the cup, um, generally I think that their timing was perfect for Spurs last night and my admiration goes up because they took advantage
0: Okay, so the other aspect of the Pochettino stakes at the moment is um, potentially Real Madrid. I don't know how likely or otherwise that is, but again, the, the point that John was making, like if you're, if you're Pochettino, you're looking at what goes on at Real Madrid, um, Zinedine Zidane wins Champions League after Champions League, and there was constant talk about getting rid of him. So like, do you look at that and go, well, I have to take that job, because it only comes around uh, every 18 months or so? I don't know. Whoa,
12: whoa, whoa. No, Zidane, Zidane walked away. There wasn't anybody talking about getting rid of him. His performance was exceptional. And the thing that Pochettino will be looking at, you are the words that Zidane used. Look, just after Zidane left, um, Poch was at a wedding uh, where Jose Angel Sanchez was and Florentino Perez was. It was a place in Madrid. And they told him, listen, if you hadn't renewed your deal without a buyout clause, we'd have come and got you. You'd be the Real Madrid manager this summer, i.e. last summer 2018. What, what Pochettino's level of desire is to stay or go, I can only estimate. I don't know for sure. What he must know is that with the new stadium, with the degree to which um, there are suitors for Ericsson, it's not simply about whether he can get more money in his contract or a larger term of tenure to feel more secure. It is going to be about renewal. It is vital that if Spurs want to break through and say our minimum objective is the quarterfinal of the Champions League, our minimum objective is top four, now it's time to win a trophy, league cup, FA Cup, league, be it what it may. At that point, as well as he's performing now, he does need elite level players recruited. He does need some of his current players being rewarded with salaries that they know they can get elsewhere. That's a conversation with Daniel Levy that he wouldn't have to have with Florentino Perez because Florentino Perez is a boom and bust president. He will want to invest this summer because the squad requires it, albeit that the squad at Real Madrid now looks to have more equilibrium, more dynamism, more promising youth than it did, even in the reign of Julian Lopetegui, which began last July.
0: Yeah, OK, so um, what is likely to happen at Real Madrid then?
12: I, I don't know. I'd be a liar if I said it did because Solari is doing this, that most wonderful thing like YouTube, if this was a YouTube video it'd be, it'd be a cruiser heading towards the rocks and everybody screaming and holding their head and then suddenly the cruiser with a new captain on board has its path averted and is going to dock beautifully because he solved problems consistently treated Marcelo and Isco the way that they needed to be treated Isco was a surprise to me, Marcelo was overdue His promotion of Reguilon and Llorente, and particularly Vinicius, now seems visionary. But his tapping on the shoulder of Antonio Pintas, the fitness coach, and saying to him, rid the cobwebs from the World Cup players, get them in shape, get them dynamic, get them ready for February, March, has worked absolutely brilliantly. Real Madrid are a very, very good watch at the moment. They're thorny, they're as hard to put down as... Paris Saint-Germain and Liverpool and Bayern Munich and Juventus found during those runs to win the Champions League. I fully admit that at the beginning of the season, I didn't think this was a squad which was could remain unsated enough, un- hungry enough. And without Cristiano Ronaldo's goals to win the Champions League for a fourth consecutive time. I don't think they're favourites to win it yet, but I'm having to change my view. Uh, they're in brilliant shape. They're, they're playing with Elan and Flair. And self belief. The big guns are firing. There are players to come back who will be important. It's it's a really as as disastrous as comical as Keystone as the late summer early autumn was under Lopetegui. It is now interesting, convincing, thrilling. And whether he gets the job or not, Solari is making one hell of a case that he should be the new Zidane and that he should be retained.
1: Yeah, one of the big stories this week as well, Graham, has been Paris Saint-Germain's performance against Manchester United and the very simplistic view, perhaps, that Paris Saint-Germain are perhaps just a more effective team when Neymar is absent. Uh, as I say, it is quite a simplistic view. Is there any truth in this?
12: I think if you ask people who are at the Pact de France or on their away trips with PSG each week, uh, they won't answer yes to that question. They will say that it has been an interesting process to watch Mbappe when he's playing with his two fellow strikers, I think Cavani's pedigree and Cavani's team play and leadership is not in question. That's that's natural to him. Neymar adds um, magic, adds filigree, adds goals that aren't just decorative. He wins games. They are Paris Saint-Germain are undoubtedly a different side. But rather than looking at um, Neymar solely in his absence. Mbappé's maturity in that performance is slightly different from when he feels he has to either outperform Neymar or when Neymar is absent, he has to do two jobs. So Mbappé, number one, apart from the thrilling nature of his performance, showed a maturity which he doesn't always show, and at his age, how could he, every week. But above and beyond that, I think, certainly when I've been watching the modern Paris Saint-Germain, I saw a display, and as, as... as disappointed as I was in Manchester United, who I thought could win that title, Trafford. I genuinely believe that I was wrong. I was taken by surprise. That was a Paris Saint-Germain performance against a decent rival and an away ground where I saw more of their players hit a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 level than I think I've seen in the modern project since the the Petrodollars came into the club. I thought it was almost error-free, ruthless, they were convinced. They played as a unit. I don't think that it was because Neymar wasn't there and therefore they took away a a, a lazy, sloppy element, which I think is the debate you're referring to. I think I saw leader players yeah. going well. Okay. Two big players aren't there. We'll go and win this now.
0: OK, good stuff, Graham. Thanks for being with us this morning.
12: Cheers.
0: Graeme Hunter giving us some thoughts on that. It is interesting, that debate about Paris Saint-Germain and uh, you know, the Ewing theory is a pretty easy one for sport like basketball. It doesn't quite apply as much... In football. A reminder today that uh, it's Valentine's Day and we're asking you to show some heart by donating to the Irish Heart Foundation. You can donate today at irishheart.ie forward slash donate. We're taking over the airwaves today with an Irish Heart Foundation takeover. Get on to irishheart.ie and have a noodle around, but uh, make sure you end up at irishheart.ie forward slash donate and uh, you can get involved in the great cause that is the Irish Heart Foundation helping to uh, combat heart disease and stroke. Now, um, we want to bring you this because uh, we're going to Darren in and run through the day's sports news. But before that, um, here's some more from the really interesting... Jamie Clark's just a really interesting guy, and he was in the studio yesterday for a good long chat with Joe. We've already brought you a little snippet of the discussion that they had around um, fashion. Uh, here he is talking about the analytical approach of Kieran McGeaney's management style, and uh, he says that he thinks McGeaney's planning
7: big things for the county. Have a look. But what people don't realise probably is is that Kieran's thinking of longevity as well. You know, he's trying to set things in place, not just go in to win maybe one year and then yeah, the whole thing fall apart. He's trying to get a consistent level throughout, like throughout the board, whether it's a, you know even at. Um, at a board level right like it's it's nearly like
2: making sure that everything's done the right way exactly because we had him at a road show last year pre all Ireland one Jim McGuinness yeah, was there and right. James Horn and and he was there and geez, he's impressive like um he's very personable yeah there's a dry wit there yeah. as well and He's a deep, deep thinker about the game. Exactly. Yeah. Thinks analytically about the game. He's yeah. a serious person. I think innovative is probably the best way to describe it. Um, there was a moment where him and McGinnis and Horn started talking yeah. tactics, yeah. and you got a real glimpse of him countering a few things McGuinness was saying, and he, he was a few steps along in the argument. You know. Well, even I watched it, and I was ev- It was even. You could even feel <laughs> watching it that there's a bit of like creative tension. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, which is gr- which was, is good. You he know, out tactic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, McGeaney was not just uh, Asher. Yeah. You know, whatever. Players play. He was was thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And, um, again, I
7: think that comes down to being passionate about what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Um, And wouldn't it be great if we got a little bit more access to that stuff from McGeaney as opposed to uh, the caricature that is presented of him? ...in the media, the cardboard cut-out stuff that uh, exists. Anyway, um, we'll come back to that, no doubt. Uh, just a reminder for you all to get tickets for next Wednesday's... ...A Night for Amanda at the Royal Marine Hotel in Dunleer. We've joined forces with Kula GA Club to raise money for the Amanda Stapleton Fund. We're going to be joined on the night by GA Royalty. Karen He's going to be there. Sean Boylan's going to be there. Tommy Walsh's going to be there. Dahi Regan's going to be there. D- uh, Derek McGrath is also going to be amongst those joining us. This is an off-air event. There will be no broadcast. There will be no record kept of this... You'll have to be there on the night to uh, get the unvarnished truth from all the lads' careers. Tickets are just €20. Euro. It's for a great cause. You can just email adultherlingcoola at gmail.com for tickets. adultherlingcoola at gmail.com. And if you miss that, don't worry, you can always tweet us and we'll send you the details. It is um, next Thursday night at the uh, Royal Marine Hotel in Dunleary. Sorry, next Wednesday night at the Royal Marine Hotel in Dunleary. Now, um, Darren is here. Darren, how are you?
10: Morning, Jerry. Are we all Declan Rice out or any more? Room I don't know. Do you, have, do you have
0: any? What do you think?
10: Well, I've got a Declan Rice montage I've been making for the last hour. Which oh, yeah, okay, well okay,
0: then. Okay, then we're not. Yeah. Oh, come on.
10: Like most people who've been dumped, I've been reflecting on the good times and listening to um, James Blunt. So here's the montage.
8: Top by Anderson, top by Shaka, but it's not a It's Rice!
9: It's a dream come
3: true, something I've always wanted to do as a kid. And then to get the call from Martin to say that I'm going to come in for three days and train, it's just a great experience to be here with the lads.
5: How
7: you? How's your family down?
3: react then? Oh, my family are so proud. I just wish my nan and grandad could be here to see it, because they are from Cork.
8: How surprised you were to hear David Gold challenge Manuel Pellegrini to turn Declan Rice into an England international? Well, it's going to be pretty difficult if he's Irish, and he is Irish. He's given every indication that Ireland is where he wants to play. Yeah, because he's Irish. Where else would he want to go? If you had a choice, Ireland or England? Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Ireland.
3: Did you hear the comment from West Ham that they want you to try and, or the new manager, to make it into an England international and what did you, did no, you make of it here?
8: I'm not going to take too
5: much by it. You know, he, he can say that. Obviously, that's his opinion. But I'm here tonight. I'm playing for Ireland and I've
3: just been focused on doing that. He,
6: he shouldn't have to persuade players to play for us. But if it's a situation like this, of course, it's up to make, well, to make the to best he's play.
3: He's trying to persuade someone to come and play for us. Yeah, but, but look, when, you, when well, you, I, you've you got a relatively... It shouldn't
5: be a career move in national football. I've said this so many times that it should be. Our
3: best your best. do not take the shirt i was called up for England when i was 18 i had the same sort of decision. i i there was never any there was never Ireland on the horizon for me at that stage i wasn't called mm. up at that stage so it was it was never there it was never in my thought process goodbye
12: my friend you have been a one
3: you always got to play well when you put on the irish shirt because you never know those people
9: that want to take that jersey off you
0: Aww.
3: they're called
10: englishmen the people who want to take that irish jersey off you Declan Rice, we'll miss you. We'll always have Turkey. Jan Vertonghen start for Tottenham as they beat Borussia Dortmund 3-0 in the Champions League last night. Usually a centre-half, the Belgium was deployed at left-back due to injuries. He delivered a wonderful cross for Son Hung Min to open the scoring before volleying the second himself. Boss Mauricio Pacchettino says these are the kind of bold selection decisions managers need to make.
8: Today 3-0. Maybe everyone say, oh, fantastic decision. Should be different result. Everyone, for sure, I was uh, the worst Coach on the on the world, but the most important is the balance. Now I am not a genius. If you lose, you are not a disaster. I think sometimes uh, people underestimate us. I think we play much better than sometimes that people assess us. But you cannot fight with the perception of the of the people. I think, like I told you, my players are heroes. Now, Real Madrid defeated
10: Ajax 2-1 but needed a big helping hand from VAR. It was used for the first time in the Champions League to disallow a goal for the host's second-half goals from Karim Benzema and Marcus Asensio put the Spanish side in control of the tie. Ajax thought they scored the all-important opening goal in the first half, but Nicolas Taglifico's header was ruled out by VAR due to a marginal offside call on Dusan Tadic. He was obstructing Thibaut Courtois.
0: We know well, we know that Ajax team not that great away from home. We saw them against um, Benfica in uh, tie over. In Lisbon,
1: they were grand. They weren't very impressive at all, were they? No. Uh, they've done well to get this far, I think, is probably what you're going to say about IX. what a lot of people are going to say about IX. 3-0 home win for Real Madrid in the next leg. That's my prediction. Even
0: how bad Real Madrid have been this year? Yeah, but Graham was making the point that uh, Solari's turned things around. They've started to get fit this time of the year. The um, I don't know. I would expect that. I think Real Madrid have a good chance of winning this thing, right? We all know that. They've been crap all year. They're still here come Valentine's Day. They're in great
1: position. Like, are you really betting against Real Madrid to win this thing now? They're going to be in the last eight in the Real Madrid. It's, uh, of course you can't bet against them. I think a lot will be revealed next week when we see the kind of other half of the draw and who's flying at the moment. I still have a suspicion that Barcelona are going to win this thing.
10: I have an awful fear PSG might get to a final.
0: And if they get to a final, they might win it.
1: Finals in Madrid this year. So,
0: have Madrid ever won at home in the modern era?
1: question. I'm sure you have got a, You can Google that right there and you'll let us know the answer very, very shortly. Uh, very
10: while ambitious. you're Googling, I'll tell you Leeds United have climbed to the top of the championship table. The club beat Swansea 2 on Ellen Road to overtake Norwich last night. The Canaries lost 3-1 to Preston at Deepdale, where Republic of Ireland international Shawnee Maguire scored for the home side. Derby remain outside the playoff spots after a 1-1 draw with bottom team Ipswich. Aston Villa beaten late on by Brentford 1-0, that one finished. Wigan and Stoke finished 0-0, while Reading were 2-1 winners at home to Blackburn to climb out of the relegation zone. The development of Porky quive has cost almost 10 million more than was originally estimated. A report by two stadium board members has returned an estimated cost of 95.8 million euro. In 2017, the estimated cost was 86 million euro. Shannon, Gabriel has revealed that he asked Joe Root if he liked boys during the cricket test between England and the West Indies. The England captain responded to that remark by saying, don't use it as an insult, there's nothing wrong with being gay. He's been roundly praised for those remarks of inclusiveness. Gabriel is warned by the official umpires for his on-field actions and subsequently handed a four-match ban by the ICC. He said he is deeply sorry for the words he used. Well, the IWAF have rejected suggestions that they will tell a court female athletes with high testosterone levels should be classified as male. Olympic champion Castor Semenya is challenging a proposed rule that aims to restrict the level of testosterone in female runners. The case will be heard at the Court of Arbitration for Sport next week. Reports claim that the legal team acting on behalf of the IWF will argue that Semenya is a biological male, but the IAAF say it is not classifying any athlete with difference of sexual development as male. They say if a DSD athlete has levels of testosterone, They get the same increase in bone and muscle size and strength and increases in hemoglobin that a male gets when they go through puberty, which is what gives men such a performance advantage over women. Therefore, to preserve fair competition in the female category, it is necessary to require DSD athletes to reduce their testosterone down to female levels before they compete at international level.
0: Done. That's me. All right. Good stuff today. Thanks for that, Darren. Um, that's pretty much all we've got time for on the show today. Unless you have anything else you want to
1: add to the Farraga that is the Declan Rice lag at this point? There uh, hasn't been enough said about it yet, uh, so therefore I think I don't have enough time to actually get it, everything off my chest to actually add to the conversation. The, um, Has there
10: been less anger than I thought there would be? I thought it would be way more bitter.
1: I think because, you know,
0: when you think about it, it's been handled expertly, like by Declan Rice get it out there with the initial shock get everybody angry at that point but we all knew at that point really that it was gone has there ever been a relationship where somebody has clawed it back from that which hasn't been like a bit stalkerish or a bit weird and ended in a restraining order
1: I'm sure it depends on how much money they have but he was and too
10: full on that was the problem he was talking about how proud his grandparents was and yeah, how, how the shocked he
1: was when he got the call and how he just loves
10: the national anthem and how he remembered it instantly the first time he heard it or
1: maybe, maybe Declan Rice just likes pain and is just sitting over in West Ham at the moment. In West Ham, in London at the moment, with his feet up, uh, looking at Canada the reaction eye. and he's like, "God, I've made an entire country feel so shit. I feel so great about this. I'd maybe say, he just loves pain." But we, do we? I mean, pain. I mean, a masochist. Exactly.
0: I, I'm, I'm not that disappointed that somebody didn't really want to play for us isn't playing for us. I am disappointed that we've lost a generational talent. That's the disappointment. Like, you go and you watch top-quality football, and the, the best same footballers it's stand it's same out. It's disappointment. Uh, uh,
10: well. It's the same person. You can be just as angry with them no matter what.
0: You're not angry about
1: it, though. Like, you can't be angry about somebody picking the country of their birth. How would you feel if uh, Declan Rice's uh, progress flatlines? If you just like, if this is it, if, if we've already seen the best of Declan Karma Rice, bitch is basically what you're saying. Well, I'm well not, he's I'm asking, "Would you say this in that. the style of Jack Grealish. All I'm saying is that no, well, Jack Relish. Jack Grealish story is yet to be yeah, fully yeah. written. He really ended up Tottenham last year. I mean, you know, as a Villa fan, it was like, "Oh my God, really?
0: Now you're going to be crap?" <laughs> what?
1: Maybe like Declan Rice could go to Manchester City and become a Fabian Delph, and there is no opportunity at full back for him or at centre back and he just fades into mediocrity. Would you like that, On? Would that make you happy? I, w- I wouldn't like it, Darren. Would the universe balancing itself out? I would love it. There is an opportunity. <laughs> would you, really? Are you bitter about this? Uh, like, I, to be honest with you, the more the morning's gone on and the more like, I, I hear James Blunt singing in my ears, the more I start to think we've been screwed over here. Oh,
10: we have. It's not that he left. It's the fact that he was so full on when he was here about how great Ireland was and how much it meant to him. It clearly meant Nothing. To
0: it's, it would give him a cap, and none of that. Then that was all true. Like that. That retrospectively is all true. It, it was true, true at the time. It Couldn't have been true. It was true. That, yeah. I'm, he hammed it up. He you would be exaggerated pretty excited as a sixteen-year-old to be getting capped. You'd be pretty excited to so like because yeah, at that stage England weren't interested. Remember this? Remember, like, oh, we're aware of him. We're aware of everybody says so says, okay, how good is this guy anyway? And he waited five months after the Irish hacks. Uh, Tipped him off and got here. Listen, this guy Declan Rice can still play for you. Do you know that? And he's like, oh yeah, so it's the Irish tax fault. And then five months later, he goes, I should check out that Declan Rice guy. Those Irish journalists told me all about. I pretend we knew all about him. I look like, who is this Rice guy? What? I mean, that's you know, that's, that's the best conspiracy theory. You're blaming the
10: kidnapper. Sometimes the kidnapped is is not so innocent. Um, in this one instance, not any other
0: instance. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. My favorite line from. Di you didn't get any in Ireland. He got no Stockholm syndrome here. I I, I actually don't. I, I always forget. To call it Stockholm syndrome because in Die Hard they call it the Helsinki syndrome, and then you man because that's Helsinki, Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> like <laughs> he mansplains the uh, Helsinki, Sweden. Anyway, do you remember that line? I have absolutely no recollection of that line but it's probably the best line in cinema
1: it's a classic it's Uh, an absolute classic uh,
0: but anyway um, I think that Martin O'Neill should have just capped him should have capped him at the time this whole thing would have finished that notion that you can't give somebody
1: a cap for nothing is bollocks are you calling on Martin O'Neill to apologise is that what you're doing this morning go for it down the lens but like all I'm saying is that Martin O'Neill owes all of us an apology he does because down the lens go on do it Martin you know yourself that. this is your fault he has created a culture of choice there
10: wasn't a culture of choice before he got there the, then Grealish Liam Kelly and Declan Rice legged
1: it you know it, it, like when we went was it in Kizzi now that game against Moldova like he, he thought, he thought the, the, the Declan Rice saga was Moldova at the time and uh, unfortunately it isn't all over uh, that's uh, that's, the, that's the level I'm bringing it down to this morning due to being forced to make uh, Martin O'Neill apologise oh Owen and there goes your career would you you fight Martin (laughs) O'Neill would I fight Martin O'Neill let's never let's never ever uh, kind of sink to that level ever again 68 69
0: you could
10: beat up an old man
1: (laughs) I don't think you could I think Martin O'Neill would kill you he's wiry
10: he looks like he'd fight dirty too
1: yeah he probably uh, he probably wouldn't stop it it'd be to kind of uh, stop his dead Simpsons meme that would be uh, me and uh, I guess it's uh, Declan Rice's Ireland career as well last point the memes have been crap
10: they haven't been great
1: What's also. the story? It's kind Man. of the same thing. It's apathy as well, isn't it?
10: The good one, though, has been the, you know when Apu rings the doorbell and laughs at Marge and Homer. How do you like it? How do you feel? There's one of them where Apu's face is Northern Ireland and answering the door is the FAI, and he's like, ah, how do you like it now? It's yeah. pretty
1: good. The, the Northern Irish football fraternity must be laughing at all of this. And rightly so. Like they, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic punchline on what has been... You know you know when a joke is funnier when you keep it going on anyway for the eventual punchline Declan Rice has helped add to that humor for Northern Ireland But
0: if you if you're laughing at it from Northern Ireland then you know you accept that he made the right decision and so therefore anybody who is nationalist and wants to play for the republic should be allowed to play for the republic which is 100% true as is their stated right under the Good Friday Agreement Now I know a bunch of people in the north and in uh, the UK want to rip up the Good Friday Agreement but well, screw you you're not
1: going to be able to I, I, don't think, uh, I don't think anybody is saying that. Nobody in this studio is saying that Declan Rice doesn't have a right to do what he did. All right. He's got every right. It just hurts.
10: No, I think he's no right to do
1: it. It hurts. Uh, this Valentine's Day, show some heart.
0: Talking to you, Declan Rice. By donating to the Irish Heart Foundation, you can donate today at irishheart.ie forward slash donate. We're taking over the airwaves today to remind you of all the great work that the Irish Heart Foundation does. Check out irishheart.ie, but eventually make sure you get to irishheart.ie forward slash donate and uh, show some heart by donating to the Irish Heart Foundation Kevin Caban will be on Off the Ball this evening with, um, with Nathan and, I wanna, I'm uh, interested he might, to hear he what his take actually, is on Declan Rice he might actually tell us what he really thinks about uh, the Declan Rice situation tonight Kevin Coban breaks silence yeah so uh, there you go you can follow us uh, on all of our platforms today the Hurling Show makes its long awaited return a lot of people giving us some abuse earlier on about talking about football saying so it's a hurling weekend well we're going to give you a whole hurling show later on this afternoon so just stay tuned to offtheball.com and we'll uh, see you tomorrow. Good luck. So if you like this, you'll probably also like OTVAM, Ireland's only sports breakfast show. Subscribe to the OTVAM podcast stream or catch the show live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or off the every morning from 7.45 AM.